feature presentation. Welcome back to the eighth best movie podcast in Canada. I am one of your hosts, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's not David Zazlaz, but he's allergic to tomatoes, Eric Marchin. <laughs> Matt, uh, you know, with your bumpy introduction and hey. you know, me having a hard time even logging into this uh, podcast episode, uh, this could have been a complete write-off. oh man i can't wait to talk to you there's so much to talk about okay Uh, hey everyone welcome if this is your first time strap in uh if this is not your first time you know david strathairn straps in um am i gonna talk about going to niagara falls in the u.s on for like 45 minutes before we even talk about big huge movie news that is happening basically as we're speaking i mean it's pretty much done now because we're recording at like 9 p.m eastern but um we got so much to talk about today we're going to talk about I went to Niagara Falls on the civic holiday. Was it a civic holiday? Is that what they called it? Yeah, in August? it's, a, it's a civic holiday in Canada. Um, yeah, I went Ontario. over to Target. I got Star Wars Villainous. I got some Cherry Coke Zero. I got some uh, Mountain Dew Spark Zero. I got some caffeinated bubbly. Did I get a pack of Flamin' Hot um, like random chip bags? Some Flamin' Hot popcorn. I got, um, we ate at Olive Garden. Oh man, what a day. What a day. Got up really early and went with Nevis. There's not much else to say about that other than the border wasn't too bad. Um, had to do a Rive Can to even get back, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about HBO Max and just Warner Discovery and what the hell is going on over there. Uh, Batgirl was canceled. Scoob 2 was canceled. No one's talking about that part. Um, uh, they're uh, consolidating um, the male skewing HBO Max <laughs> with the with the female skewing Discovery Plus. Uh, so men and women finally can come together. For 90 Day um, Fiancé. Yeah, the universe, the 90 Day Fiancé universe. Have you seen this? Yeah. Um, and, oh my God, we're going to talk about that. We're talking TIFF talk. We're talking Midnight Madness. We're talking Discovery. Um, we're going to talk about the Daniels signing with Universal. We're going to talk about a new Ninja Turtles movie. I don't know what else I'm missing, but we're going to talk about a lot today. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Great. Thank, thank you for your input. <laughs> How are you doing? Well, I mean, I, I am not having uh, the time of my life in comparison to you. You know, it's been it's been a bit of a bummer, Matt. You know, uh, my grandfather went to a hospice appointment. So, you know, I'm not going okay. across the border or, you know, living my dreams, but uh, I'm okay. You oh, know, I saw I'm... Harry Potter and the Cursed Child as well. Okay. Okay. We, we're both even now. Um... <laughs> it's about... <laughs> I wasn't going to make, I won't make a joke. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. You can. We're friends. Uh, I'm sorry, man. That's brutal. No, no, I know. Um, yeah. So I've just kind of been like watching some movies, surprise, surprise, like bullet train and bodies, bodies, bodies. And, uh, the predator movies, which we talked about quite a bit, uh, uh, on the prey review. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff there and this TIFF stuff is also getting me very excited and something to kind of look forward to. And, um, you know, take my mind off of other things for a little bit and doing the podcast. So I apologize if I'm not as, you know, exciting, you know, nah, you will be, I, I, but I understand, man. Like I totally get that. And I'm sorry about that. That's uh that just shit, shit spot. That's a shit spot, but I have been there. So I, I know uh, what you're, what you're going through. So um, I was going to make a joke about Harry Potter and the cursed child, but um, I'll get to that eventually. 
Um, that shit, man. Yeah, bodies, 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 and um, bullet train. We'll probably have reviews for those. I had to skip both. I had to skip one for Harry Potter, which I'll get to. I got a bone. In retrospect, do you do you regret um, that? <laughs> I don't know because what you've told me about Bullet Train, I'm like, I don't know if I really like. It, it seemed like a Sophie's choice there. But well, how like, long was was um, Cursed Child? Three and a half hours. Um, you might have some regrets. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, Bullet Train does feel long for what it is, but I mean, it's it's just over two hours. So, yep. Um, but. I mean, we could just dilly dally. I can talk about Niagara Falls. I could. I, I you went could to Tarjay. Um. Yeah. It was. It was great. You know. I How, haven't. You mentioned the border thing was was okay, but like, was what? What was the the process like for such a quick trip? It was really normal. Like it felt like anytime Nevis and I. So for people that don't know, you know, you know, Eric and I live in Toronto and um or the GTA. Um. It's about an hour and a half drive to get to Niagara Falls or Buffalo in the U.S., uh, depending on how long you have to wait at the border, which is really nothing. So Nevis and I like to go every once in a while and, uh, you know, pick up some treats at Target. And um, I mean, we talked about this on the <laughs> Vengeance review. There are a lot of... Um, you know, things in Canada, even though we're so close to the U.S., like we don't have a Dunkin' Donuts. We don't have Olive Garden. We don't have a lot of the flaming Hot snacks you guys have. We don't have Cherry Coke Zero unless you get it from like a Coke Freestyle machine or some bullshit. Like, but I can't get like a case of Cherry Coke Zero. I mean, you, so could, ever, you could still order it though, right? Like you could order. Like, you could, but usually it costs like a ridiculous amount on Amazon and stuff like that. Like you can like find people or they have a lot of like those candy shops that sell like american candies and sodas and stuff like that so you can get like one can or one bottle but it'll end up being like three dollars a can or something like that where you know it's still expensive it was like seven dollars american for a case of cherry coke but i'm like i'm here i have to buy a couple cases of it and like you know i'll try to make it last but i'm just chugging it like it's water and then um you know, grabbed a few other things. We went because the new Star Wars Villainous game came out. Nevis and I, big fans of Villainous. We have the Marvel version. We have the Disney version and all of the expansions. Um, and now they came out with a Star Wars version. And it came out. And it always comes out a few months uh, before in the U.S. than it comes out here. So we're just like, fuck it. It gives us an excuse to drive down. Um, so I got Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. I love Dunkin' Don- Donuts cold brew. I don't know if that's like a... Like if that's is that like someone saying they love Tim Hortons cold brew? Like I don't know if that's like a poo poo thing in the well, US. Like I think the difference um, is that Dunkin's Dunkin' Donuts isn't spying on uh, its patrons. So <laughs> yeah. at least um, we don't we don't know of you know. Uh, yeah, you're right. That Eric's referencing a class action lawsuit of, uh, of Tim Hortons where they were secretly spying on people who use their app and tracking them everywhere they went. So, and they offered everyone a coffee and a donut as the settlement. So, absolutely stupid. But um, I got a giant fucking cold brew from Dunkin' Donuts, and it was great, dude. I love Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Like, I, I really do. Like, whenever I'm in the in, I remember when we were in LA, I was trying to find one, but they were a little harder to find. New York, they're everywhere. Um, here I, there's one right at the border. So on the way home, I stopped and it's like at a gas station right before that you cross the border back into Canada. So I just got a giant fucking iced coffee. Um, and it was great. Um, Olive Garden, 
just the worst but also great <laughs> like um and it was packed dude like it was i texted you and i'm like yeah. it was a holiday so there were probably quite a few canadians going over the border that day because of the holiday um it's a tourist so you had you them. had it is because it's right by the canadian border right so that's probably the closest one so if people do like going they would go there but we went at like 11 45 because we went super early to go shopping and then, um, so we were done around then. And then, um, we got there and we're like, it's still really fucking busy in here. And then when we were leaving, there was like a giant line of people waiting. I'm like, I would not wait for Olive Garden, but like, uh, shout out to you guys. So I had some soup salad and breadsticks for lunch and it was, uh, not great, but it was Olive Garden. That's so, it. Like, it um, seems like you would have more, like, like I, seems almost like I a wasn't, side or I like wasn't a, super hungry. So yeah. I got like the lightest lunch you could get. Like Nevis got like a little, a shrimp, uh, shrimp pasta, shrimp, uh, what the fuck is it called? I don't know. Um, shrimp pasta with, and it came with salad and <laughs> breadsticks. Um, I wasn't hungry, but I knew she was. So I was like, I'll I'll go to Olive Garden. Like I'll tough this one out. Like I'm not really hungry, but like uh, I'll eat some breadsticks and I'll eat some soup and I'll eat some salad. So like you can get that. It's ten dollars and you get unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks. And then when you went with me in New York, you were sick, so sick. I didn't eat anything. And then like I make an effort, like whenever I'm in Times Square, to go to Olive Garden because I think it's funny. Um, (laughs) And then got to commit to the bit. And then that's what I mean when we were there. Like you got to do the dumb things you can't get in canada so i'm like i'm getting a dunkin donuts i'm going to a crappy chain restaurant because that's the american way okay like that's the american way uh at least how canadians view it so i had a good time there um if anyone's tuning in to listen to us talk about hbo max and stuff like that or batgirl we'll get there all right this i mean there's a, there's gonna goes. be a timeline right so you can oh, skip. Be, yeah you can skip they can go to uh time codes and just click on what they want but that was my long <laughs> weekend there's a timeline there is a timeline the, the sacred timeline <laughs> um you should we go right into is that the biggest news of the week should we just go right into that i think it's what everybody is talking about in the in this moment and it it does seem to have had a ripple effect outside of you know film twitter and the film and television community that it's it's actually kind of made quite an impact or an impression in terms of you know what can happen to a movie because you know there are cases in the past where certain films have been shelved, you know, the Jerry Lewis movie specifically the day the clown cried is, you know, famously never seen the light of day. There was the Aretha Franklin doc um, that uh, she stipulated that while she was living would never be shown um, to anybody. Amazing grace. Yeah. Yeah. And because she, her, her legal team basically, blocked it from any other festival screenings but then she passed away and then the rights went back to the filmmaker so they sold it to neon and it was released and there was nothing it was a, it's a great movie it's a great documentary um but yeah it so has there are, happened there's precedent that movies yeah. that have either been made or in the middle of making them or something like that that they get canned but not but on this scale this is know. a different so for people who don't know what we're talking about um oh fantastic four is the other one as well the roger corman yeah version of fantastic four from um i think it was like 93 or 94 because it was around the time that jurassic park was coming out and the original vhs for carnosaur had the trailer to roger corman's fantastic four carnivores yeah which you can watch on on youtube okay um but the movie never came out because they 
couldn't afford to finish it. Right. Um, so the news here, there's a lot to go over because Warner Discovery, which is what they are now because those two companies merged. So AT&T separated from Warner, sold the Warner part to Discovery or just Discovery and Warner merged together. So Discovery Channel owns the Food Network and TLC and HGTV and a bunch of other stuff. National Geographic? No, that's a Disney one. What's the other nature one? Channel. National Geographic. Well, no, that's that's oh. uh, Disney uh, yeah. now because they they National. own some sort of the other one. All other I know, animal. Matt, is animal it's divided planet? into two. Animal planet. It's divided probably. into two sections: yeah. men and women. God. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So they merged. That finally closed, and they're starting to consolidate, which happens with any merger, right? Like they lay off a bunch of people because there's redundancies in both companies. One person takes over and has a different view of th- how things should be run. We've seen it in succession. I lived it. Eric still works at Rogers, so I don't know how much I can talk shit about Rogers, but like I worked at Rogers. Um, and like it, it happens time and time again at these big companies. But this is interesting because you know HBO, one of the biggest brands on earth, I think, Warner, a, a movie studio that's been around forever with some huge franchises and big movies and things like that. Um, there was news this week that they were cutting down on HBO Max content, especially on the movie side of things, uh, but also on the television side of things. Um, and the biggest news that came out of that was that Batgirl uh, is no longer going to be released, which has already filmed. It's in post-production now. It had some test screenings um, and they just decided, you know what? It wasn't we tracking wanna... well with the test screenings. We yes, we, that. That we should say that. So yes, it's not so... You know, quality aside, it's still wild. Um, and then the other thing was Scoob too, which was almost done. Uh, How dare you bury the lead? <laughs> also is not coming out. So those were the two big movies that they just flat out canceled. And the news came out that they would probably, they don't know, but they think they would make more money as a tax write-off than them releasing it, which is scary and not great. Um, well, especially for so, the people that made these yeah. films, because you're basically telling them, I mean, it is a product, obviously, but at the same time, it's like, you know, there are actors, there are filmmakers, there are people on that side, the the, the artists that you're basically saying your work will never see the light of day. And, yeah. you know, you, yeah, they paid them obviously and, and, and things like that, but Part of, these things aren't just a job to people. Well, they are. They are and they aren't. They, it's a yeah. job as well in that. It gets, some, yeah. it, but it gets you the next job, right? Like it helps you. Oh, totally. It, it, it it's a business that pro- relies on that. Profile, yeah. right? Like, you know, Batgirl means a lot to people that it's like, oh, did you, I can put this in my reel or did you see the last thing I worked on? And that gets you to the next gig, you know, and, and spending, you know, six months to a year working on something and than not having anything to show for it to get your next assignment or your next project. It's just like, you've left a lot of people kind of grasping at straws now. Yeah. Uh, we should say that it was supposed to be directed by Adil and Bilal written by Christi- uh, Christina Hodgson, uh, who wrote uh, birds of prey as well as uh, Bumblebee. It was going to start Leslie Grace, JK Simmons, uh, Brendan Fraser, Michael Keaton was supposed to be in it. Um, 
and yeah, just real shitty situation for all of them and the rest of the crew that worked on this movie. Um, and just something that on this scale, like the movie, they, they put in $90 million into this movie and it's just, you know, 90 million gone and they can probably, I don't know how much of that they get back for whatever tax write off they do because they didn't make any money off of it. Like uh, Hollywood's always been weird because there's been all those things. If you talk to people of like movies being in the red, right? Like barely any movies make a profit on their actual like finances because they make more money when they say they don't like, it's like a tax thing, a weird tax thing where because of the marketing, because of all this stuff, even with giant box offices, it's like very rare that, like a movie, I might be talking out of my ass, but I remember reading this a lot being like, it's just these weird financial things that help them with taxes and different things like that. So when you hear about, you know, and we've talked about this before of when like, yeah, movies are an art form, but unfortunately they're an art form that relies on them making money, right? That you have to monetize them. <laughs> like it's not all movies need to make a bazillion dollars to be successful or are all made just to make money and different things like that. There are studios that take pride in different elements, but ultimately like, look at, I'm wearing an A24 shirt. They've learned how to like monetize art really well and, and appeal to, you know, saying we still need to make money off these movies and we'll even sell t-shirts and different shit like that candles. that are way too expensive candles butt plugs anything <laughs> um and it's just that's kind of the reality that we're in where it is a business first and an art form second so like it really especially when you're making a studio movie right like if you didn't self-finance it if it's not a truly independent film then you rely on these big studios to make these huge decisions and they're thinking about money first. It's always money first, unfortunately. And like, it's just an unfortunate reality that we're in and you're seeing this with a big merger. And I think on the biggest scale we've seen it and you hope that it's not setting a precedent for other studios or other people to go, Oh shit. Like, Disney's like, why didn't we do that with the new mutants? (laughs) Yeah, like exactly like that kind of stuff, right? Where if a movie's so bad or, or isn't going to make you money, you can make more money by writing it off. Like that's, that's shit, man. Like I even like maybe Batgirl was going to be terrible. Maybe it was going to be fucking awful. (laughs) Like, and and maybe that's the case. Like it, cause it must have been pretty bad for them to be like, we're not, we're not going to make any money off this. Like, if we <laughs> but have you seen this, the rest of the DCEU? That's what I mean. That's true too, Eric. But like, I, I just think like even seeing that first image that they released um, with uh, Leslie Grace in the costume, I remember talking to you, I think on this show being like that costume looked, it looked like a CW show to me. And I'm not saying like that's, well, that's why it got canceled. So maybe it should have been better kind of thing. I don't think that's the case, but if you're not going to invest properly in these things and you're going to do this shit later, and I know they inherited it from a different regime and things like that, that had a different strategy about streaming movies, but it's just so all over the place at that company. And like, it seems like this guy who came in from discovery, the Zazlaz guy who had, there's multiple quotes of him talking shit about scripted content, using the word content way too much. I mean, we use it as a joke, but, um, well, he's also just a big fan like a, of Bo Burnham's inside, right? Like, yeah. Um, and no, those are the types of people Bo was making fun of. And it's just like, I, I don't know, man. Like he talks about like they, they built their, you know, 
um, company on reality television, which is super cheap to make and makes you a ton of money for that reason. Um, and you'd hate to see that mentality be brought into, you know, film where maybe the profits aren't as the profit margins aren't as high because you have to invest a lot of money in these things, but you have to invest a lot of money in these things because like, you know, you know, that's where the quality is going to come from. And that, not necessarily because you can make good stuff for cheap too. It just feels like that middle ground that was supposed that we were like, is now left theaters because no one wants to watch that stuff in theaters. Now it doesn't seem like it even has a home on streaming at something like an HBO Max. Like they took six movies off of their service that no one's Or it's one very watching. temperamental. It's like, like it's, yeah. it's like it could be there one day, but then the next it's gone. Why physical media is sometimes something yeah. worth, you know, investing in if it's available, right? Like, <clears throat> pardon me. The, the thing that I, 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 you know, I completely agree with you. Like, we don't know the quality of Batgirl, but I've always I don't believed, think it matters at this point. Yeah. No, but I've always believed that every movie deserves its yeah. day in court, meaning exactly. it deserves to be seen. It deserves to be reviewed. It deserves to find an audience, you know, let the people make that decision. And I also understand from the business point of view that it's like, okay, well, you're now also spending money on things like marketing and what have you. But cutting that cost is putting it on a streaming service. You have a streamer. Yeah. You can just dump it on the streamer <laughs> yeah. and just let it have its own life there or die on the vine. But you should release it if it's completed. If Like, this is the same st- studio that released the Twilight Zone movie after – the deaths of Vic Morrow and two children and the movie still came out, you know, uh, David uh, Zaslov is making a statement here coming into power. And, and this is him basically saying, okay, well I'm going to rewrite the script with the DCEU. And I feel like part of it is like, yet the flash is still coming. The flash is still coming out (laughs) with a problematic lead, but then also that is really confusing because you know, there was going to be a spinoff for Supergirl. That's in question now. There seems like that's not happening. Yeah. There, which it's like, you know, again, it's also like you know, you're, you're taking people of color who are finally getting this opportunity, and then you're just cutting them at you know at the quick. Um, and then, and then you yeah. you have even even the Aquaman movie where you know there were there were reports of Michael Keaton showing up in that, and now they're reshooting they with, with Ben yeah. Affleck because it confused audiences and. Um, you know, there's been quotes with this guy talking about <clears throat> how basically he wants to kind of write a playbook that's similar to what Kevin Feige is doing and give some creative, uh, you know, uh, overhead Head, or control. Yeah, to someone, yeah. But it's like, well, how do you do that without completely wiping the slate clean? Because you're still releasing the Aquaman movie. You know, you're still going to be releasing The Flash, supposedly. So you still have those sticking points. You know, obviously you can kind of Even get away Flash with it. Even if Flash is supposed to be a reset point. Yeah, right? you, can, you can get away with it with Joker 2 and Matt Reeves, the Batman yeah. films, because they're their own thing. So the continuity doesn't really matter, you know, with that stuff. So that is something where it's like, you know, it's going to scare a lot of artists that have worked at Warner brothers in the past Nolan or, left. Look at that. Like, right. Yeah. Like think, uh, Danny Velneuve right now is yeah. shooting Dune too. I can't imagine what he's thinking. So, you know, there's enough pressure making a movie and doing the best job you can, because nobody sets out to make a bad film. And even if it becomes a bad movie, it's not the intention usually of the filmmaker. But now if, you know, anybody's working at Warner brothers on a movie that's in production currently, there's going to be that additional stress that it, 
shouldn't be there for for those filmmakers to worry about. Denny, you know, we didn't love Dune, but at least he you know he he had to worry about all the 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 different departments that he was working with and now he's got to think okay well anything could happen with this movie it probably won't it'll probably be okay Damn. but still there is that that question of like could i you know be usurped by this you know new studio executive that is coming in with a very kind of narrow minded business point of view you know if it's and, not going to make us a ton of money or bring in subscribers then it's not getting made right like steven soderbergh's at home like, right now and it's just like well it was fun while it lasted yeah there's that quote where he talks about clint eastwood and, and uh either the mule or something else that he made or no cry macho or something like that and they were like why he was like why did we let him make that movie and they're like well he had a you know five decade long relationship with warner brothers it was kind of like a one for you kind of thing like we just let clint eastwood have some a couple million bucks and he makes a movie and it does whatever moderately fine and you know but then he's like why though like why it's just like one of those things that's so business minded that like and i get it it is ultimately a business to my earlier point but when you cut out those middle movies and you don't do the one for you, one for me kind of thing and like try to have that balance of, and build those relationships with people because I think you lose trust in both your audience and the people who work for you, right? Or are making the movies for you and stuff like this happens. Like like you said, even if a movie's bad, like you got to believe in in the people who make it or just go, let's see what people think. Like they'll even the worst movies have its you know fans that's why cult classics are a thing and, and stuff like that like and he talked about protecting the dc brand is the reason why he was doesn't want to release batgirl and i'm like fuck off dude you have Ezra have you Miller, seen the suicide like, squad yeah i know or suicide squad and, Pardon like, me, not, not james yeah. gunn's movie but. i would have loved if you canceled that so i never had to see it but like no i'm kidding but like i'm glad that that exists right and like um, well, even the Zack Snyder cut of of, of, yeah. of you know Justice League, like it's like like that even is something where it's like okay, well you know the the studio gave in to the fans and and yeah. now that that's a, a movie where like okay, well this kind of looms over that part of the DCEU and and what they've kind of failed to represent in their overall sort of um, you know franchise and like it's just it's it's so strange that this this guy like again like thinking of something like even malignant like if he had come into power at, at around that time like the, that the should H, not get made <laughs> it, it would it would not have been released i don't think a movie like malignant they he wouldn't have been able to see that it was satirical you yeah know? Mm -hmm. like this is the kind it, of guy that would watch robocop and be like yeah, he it. makes shit like just trash garbage TV for TLC and stuff like that because it's so cheap. He can pay – he can literally take advantage of some family or something and just pay them probably a fraction of what these movies cost and then exploit them on fucking TLC for some bullshit kind of – dumbass reality show and I, I i'm not trying to shit on people who enjoy that kind of stuff because it's not you enjoy what you enjoy there's a lot of trash that i enjoy too but like there needs to be a balance of everything and just like it just seems it just it's such a weird strategy for taking over one of the most iconic you know film studios some of the most iconic franchises and different things like that and then it's just someone who's really going like no we're going to do it our way 
Uh, I know all this shit was in the pipeline, but like we're kind of scrapping all that and, and starting fresh, sort of. <laughs> but like maybe picking and choosing. Just the movies done by minorities or women <laughs> get canceled, and like it's just like, what are you talking about, dude? And all the rumors of like all his like, uh, you know, all his head people being white dudes, and just some of the dumb shit that he said is just like, I don't, I, I just don't, I really don't get it. And like, how did Discovery? I don't get it. Like of the two companies, I would have thought Warner was the bigger company, but maybe I'm ro- I'm wrong. But like maybe maybe Discovery's like, more lucrative um, because of it, it of being all their so different cheap like, and, and yeah. Because like yeah, like and also just maybe his way of thinking as well. It's like he's applying that sort of business strategy to films where it's like you know the cheaper the better. You know, look at like yeah. what's trending. Like I I retweeted somebody. Uh, tweeted about the like that scene in barry where the studio yes. execs are talking to sarah goldberg yeah ironically kind of what, an hbo show right which now we have to worry about because barry's a show that necessarily no, doesn't yeah. like play by the rules but there's been a bunch of tv shows that have also been removed that were mostly kind of one or two seasons that weren't successful but again I believe that any show, any movie, whether it's good or bad, quality aside, should be if available. If it's made, then you should put it release out there. It. Unless right. the only time I've ever thought the the you know maybe it should have not have been released was the Twilight Zone movie, and it was released by Warner Brothers after the fact. So like you know, or even the Crow, you know, where something yeah. where something truly something terrible, terrible happened, and like yeah, and you don't know whether to continue or not. Like that's a fair reason to maybe think about these things, but just because Batgirl might affect your brand. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Even the worst superhero movies, like didn't kill any of these franchises. We've gotten fucking uh, more bad. Fantastic four movies on that. I, I can even think of right now. And so it's just been three, but like it's, <laughs> it hasn't killed that. They're still going to make another one. And like X-Men movies, it goes up and down of fucking good and bad and awful and whatever. It's just like, it just put it out there. And if Batgirl's terrible, then you fucking figure it out after. Like, I don't know. You're going to make some money. It's just the whole tax write off thing is absolutely fucking crazy. It's just like, it's it doesn't make any sense and the perfect example of this the 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 strategy again they could just release batgirl on hbo max and call it a day they do they would have to do but they'll lose money that way they'll make more money doing it no i i know that but like in terms of just like they wouldn't have to spend any more money yeah but like you look at something even like the empty man the empty man was one of the weirdest released films through the after the the fox disney merger where they didn't do any promotions for it um there was a press screening invite that was like the day of that it was getting released and this was during the pandemic as well and it was just dumped into theaters but now it's kind of taken on a a second life as as a cult film and like a lot of people it's not a bad movie it's just kind of a, a middle of the road kind of film but there's more mystery or mystique around it now because of how it was handled and again like comic book movies are so popular it's like you're gonna probably break even on something like this but i don't know i don't know when you go to streaming like i don't even know how that works right because then they go well will it bring in people to the streaming service or they go will it make people cancel if it's really bad like like if it's really bad do people go fuck that was awful these streaming movies are shit like I'm not subscribing to this if this is the quality we're going to get. But then But that's weird thinking as well cuz it's like you just like subscribe to HBO Max and then watch only one, one thing yeah, and like I know. gave it up. Make, 
it is that kind of breadth of content. I hate that. Like, I know we poke fun at that word, but that's what the word that these, and it's so funny work I've worked in. That's why when people were sharing, uh, so the other thing that happened, they cut 70% of their development. That was a rumor for HBO Max shows and and movies. Um, so HBO Originals and HBO Max Originals are different because Max goes straight to streaming. They don't air on the cable channel. Um, they have a different team, different budgets, things like that. The HBO Originals are like the bigger shows that you know, like the rehearsal or, you know, Game of Thrones <laughs> or the upcoming Last of Us or, or you know, things like that. Um, so they, the rumor that they cut a bunch of that. So anything that was HBO Max branded, that's, I think, the stuff that you kind of have to be scared about, right? Like now I'm worried about Harley Quinn, like, you know, being an animated show, right? And I also DC. The, <laughs> DC, like I think I watched the first episode of the new season and loved it and I can't wait to watch more and like, uh, I think one of the best things DC's putting out, like quietly, like I think it is probably the best thing that they're doing right now. And and, like, and, and offense um, to Taika Waititi, it truly is the gayest superhero. Yes, absolutely. Uh, co- again, content series yes. movie, like compared to Thor: Love and Thunder, which Harlivey Harlivey is really is great. I, I love them both, and like I think that show is awesome. Like it's really really funny the way that they kind of you know poke fun at the DC universe and still make like compelling stories and stuff like that. Worried about that. Um, and I, I don't know what other HBO max stuff, but that was just the first one that came to my mind, but Oh, uh, even peacemaker, but like it, James Gunn has come out and said, peacemaker is safe, but like also like, I don't know if James Gunn would really know. I'm sure he had a conversation with someone at, at high up, but don't worry, James, um, it's going to be okay. And then like, there's a gun like behind his point. Yeah. His head. It's yeah. Like, don't worry. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if that just transitions to an HBO original, but like this whole thing was still confusing. And on top of that, we're Canadian. So like this, doesn't affect us entirely because we don't have hbo max we all of our hbo content is on crave as like a section of crave um so they came out today in their earnings call or whatever and it's so funny seeing twitter reactions to earnings calls because like i have lived it before of like being that person who puts together the PowerPoint presentation that your boss needs to present at the meeting or whatever. And it's, you know, and if you worked in corporate content, which I said, like some of this shit didn't surprise me. And it's so funny seeing people like see. Um, so it's the co- kind of ones that people were roasting them for were like uh, a, sl- a, st- a very classic PowerPoint slide that was like unique and complimentary. And they had HBO max on one side and discovery plus on the other side and then it just starts off with male skew female skew scripted unscripted lean in lean back um appointment viewing <laughs> both are for fat joe yeah home of fandoms and home of genre dumps it's just like it's so stupid but it's so perfectly corporate america bullshit like the male skewing and female skewing is such like i I, when i worked at show me and worked at rogers and things like that like those are very normal terms where they look at it so binary like that of like ladies like this and men like this and like that's the type of content that they like and that's why this is a lady streaming service and this is a gentleman streaming service and it's like it's and they should be roasted for this kind of shit but this is something that some low-level you know, someone who made the amount of money I did of like your boss is telling you and then you go, 
I don't know if the male skew and female skew is good. And then someone high up. Shut up, no. Jimmy. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> fucking, here's your bullet points. Put them in a circle and make it look nice. And it's like, and it doesn't even look that good. It just looks like that classic PowerPoint bullshit. And um, the news out of that is that they are putting the streaming services together. I don't know what the hell it's going to be called. If HBO is just going to be like a section on Discovery Plus, if it's going to be hbo discovery plus or something like i don't know what the hell it's going to be called but, hbo discover um, um they are going to be put to get together and um starting in the summer so that was the other thing and then the other part which i thought was really funny was the global powerhouse um slide another classic uh, PowerPoint slide where you just put a bunch of logos and just like say, here's the things we have. Um, so on their brands, they have HBO discovery, CNN, HGTV, cartoon network, DC, and Looney tunes franchises. Um, you have Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Shark Week, uh, Game of Thrones, the 90-day fiance universe, and the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Um, and then iconic series and characters. You have friends. What the fuck is this? I don't even know what this is. Fixer Upper Welcome Home. <laughs> the Big Bang Theory. You just got all the greats. Um, the Property Brothers, Diners Driving and Dives, and Sex in the City. What a weird group of iconic series and characters. This is some corporate um, synergy bullshit. Yeah, international. You have TVN, uh, Eurosport, Discovery Kids, D Max. Don't know what the hell that is. Um, Nove and TV Nor Norge, uh, Norge. Um, hilarious slide of the most random logos I've ever seen together. Um, will Guy Fieri show up in Gotham City? Maybe. Maybe the Wizarding World. <laughs> um, He's giving like, everybody highlights, and Gotham uh, yeah. has to stop him. <laughs> Frosted so tips, baby. Um, it's just, yeah, it just reeks of like this weird conglomerate kind of basically forcing of all of these things and putting them all into one basket. You can't do that. Like, I understand no. that they there's this ownership thing, like an umbrella, kind of like, oh, you know, all all on, under one roof, but. Well, it's just buzzword bullshit for you know their investors, right? Like it's yeah, it's kind of gross looking too. Like it's just like gross to think like all this is like it is product, but you don't want to necessarily think about it that way because it just it feels depressing. It's depressing <laughs> and soulless, and and like it kind of is you know in in film and television we've seen it before where like you, you know you make fun of the the suits and the corporate mm -hmm. people who kind of you know see things in very kind of black and white kind of ways and that thinking overall is kind of yeah it's just like it, it doesn't really change like the business model is like okay how do we make money how can we make as much money as possible where do we cut our losses um and I mean, it makes me kind of scared for the HBO stuff in general because I feel like they do throw a lot of money at their originals, at least. Like the things like the Game of Thrones, the upcoming Last of Us series, right? Was supposed to be the most expensive TV series ever made, right? Like that kind of shit goes, well, I think those are big enough that it probably won't affect them. But like it goes back to that point of they're only going to have sure bets, right? And that's kind of boring, right? Like right. it's really you got to take risks sometimes or make some more interesting kind of stuff. Cause if we just start getting the same shit over and over and over again, 
Like you need some failures to learn from them or to make something interesting. And maybe there's little things you learn or you discover a filmmaker or, or something like that, that I just don't know. And I'm not sure if HBO or, or Warner and, and Warner brothers was the place that you were going to do that anyway, but well, HBO used like, to be right. Yeah. Like HBO, like when it kind of was starting, it had things like the Sopranos and the wire and six feet under and, and you know deadwood and oz and like it was kind of considered like i mean the joke was when it kind of went into original programming it's not tv it's hbo it was kind of that above the home box office exactly and 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 now like i mean part of it is oversaturated i think with the hbo max stuff and kind of confusing to like what is hbo versus hbo max and what are i'm fine with all that of figuring that shit out of going like okay let's just call it hbo (laughs) like we don't but i guess you don't want it all to kind of be hbo because maybe it dilutes the brand in some way i don't know what the thinking is there Uh, not that that really is bothering too much overthinking of all that stuff too is like that goes back to the batgirl decision being so wild where you have like a person who is literally a shitty shitty dude it's like literally a very problematic asshole starring in your your other dc movie coming up and you're like that one's coming up everything's fine on that front and then you have that girl and super girl and you're like that's gonna hurt the brand it's gonna hurt the brand we gotta cut those and you're like all right i just feel like it's it is absolutely wild just the thinking and it's like I've seen other people tweet it too. It's like when you bring in, and you said it earlier too, of like when you bring in a guy who's not really a movie guy, he's just a business guy. You know what I mean? Like, or a content guy. And you start to go like, oh, Scorsese was right. And things like that. If you go back and read all those quotes from Scorsese or other people and like uh, that talk about art versus, you know, a product and, and content, right? Like when you start calling everything content and, Unfortunately, it goes back to that thing of, you know, you need to a movie needs to make money so you can make another movie. But then that's why people do it and, and stuff like that. And um, and not every movie needs to make a billion dollars, but that's starting to be the mentality. <laughs> or it needs to it's be like, a franchise or it needs yeah. to be something where it's like, OK, not only do we have to recoup the cost of the budget, but we also have to think how is this going to reflect our brand in the future? And can we, you know, monetize this in other ways and how can we, you know, sell this and compete with, because the one thing I will say about, you know, where we are now, I think maybe there is too much of everything. Yeah. Like it does feel like. I'm fine with scaling back and you hate people losing jobs or anything, but. Because you just look at like, how much television is coming out and it, it kind of feels like it's impossible you can you could never like if you are being a movie fan is stressful enough and like if but you, you wanna, could keep up with most things yeah because at most you got to watch what two three movies a week if you really want to be on top of things yeah you got to watch ron howard's 13 lives um but then with television it's like you, you 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 know you go a week and then you hear apple has four series coming out in the next you know two months or then, netflix 47 things dropping on yeah or, or or that you know uh hulu's announced that they've got another show with elizabeth moss in the making and it's like a lot of it could be good like it's not that we're saying that that it's, and a lot it's of it bad, is great but sometimes it's, there's just too much of it but then it you gotta think it, the it's, cracks and it's then you get people like this everyone, david right? You know, Zaslav guy coming in and being like, whoa, we got to cut the stuff that 
I think won't work. And that's, you know, anything that isn't white male skewing is gotta go. Unless you're one of those ladies over on Discovery, then you got 90 day fiance and you're like, what the fuck, bro? It's like, I don't know. Um, it's a wild world. Um, but yes, if a movie is completed, I understand you're halfway through shooting and you're like, this is an absolute shit show. We need to cut. We need to stop. Yeah. Or like, someone that's, dies on yeah. set. Like, well, that, I, that's a given, I think. But I mean, and even yet movies start, have been released still. <laughs> if you start getting dailies and you're like, this is an absolute train wreck. Like we need to cut our losses here and just we're canceling this movie instead of like, they're literally in post-production, like getting ready to finish the movie. And you're just like, you could release it, but we could make our money back if you don't. And you're like, fuck you, dude. Like I just, it, it's just, it's, they never, it's what I always say. They don't give a fuck about you. They give a fuck about the bottom line. And that's you as an employee or you as a customer or, of someone who consumes their content. They don't fucking care as long as they make money off of you. They don't give a shit. And like that goes to every company. And like, you know, we can all stand or like different companies. I can love the MCU or I can go to Disney parks or you can love A24. You can uh, be obsessed with Stranger Things and shit like that. But they don't you give a like fuck. You can like Zack Snyder's like, Justice yeah, League. Yeah, it's fine. You can do whatever you want. It's just like remember that these companies – don't give a fuck about you other than you giving them their money. Yeah. Like they, and there are that's not, don't get me wrong. There's not people who do care at these companies. There are a lot of people at, I think Warner at discovery at Disney at Netflix at a 24 at any of these places that do really care about the people who watch their stuff and really give a shit. The people who buy fucking Funko pops and, and t-shirts and, and other things and like really care about these these brands i hate even using that word but like um at at the end of the day they just they're here to make money off of you and that's capitalism baby <laughs> and yeah. that's unfortunately you can tell those corporate in. fat cats downtown yeah. that we won't take it anymore but it is also just strange thinking that like you know uh adil and 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 Bilal, Bilal yeah. are you know coming off of bad boys for life which was one of like the uh, last yeah. big blockbusters before the pandemic, you know, they directed episodes and were, you know, uh, creative consultants on Ms. Marvel. So it's like that alone would be enough to entice people to either, you know, subscribe or, or, or be interested in, in watching this thing. And, and like, I feel like you would still make money off of this, but again, I don't understand the workings of the monetization when it comes to streaming, but it just, it, yeah, it just, it, it is a strange one because if it was just, if it was just Scoob, like, I feel like it would kind of be like, people wouldn't be talking about it as no. much just because it's like, but it's okay, a big it's... superhero movie. That's why, yeah. dude, like starring My- Michael fucking Keaton was supposed to be in the movie and JK Simmons, <laughs> Did you... your Snyderverse is still living. Like, I, it's just, I could just see Michael Keaton at home being in, because I don't know if you read any of that, that quote. Variety. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Like, and that's why I say no. That's why I usually say no. Guess what? Wasn't going to watch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I, I love that man so much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I got better things to do. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't blame him. That's a funny quote from Michael Keaton because like, I, I know me, I'm like, I wouldn't, watch my own shit like yeah. and i wouldn't like don't get high on your I, own supply no man like i i barely want to like edit my own videos because i have to hear my own voice or see my face um 
where these people, it's a job. You got to think like everyone in the MCU or everyone doing a DC movie, they don't like the hilarious things in like the MCU, like interviews, people like ask them intricate questions and they're like, bro, I did this movie. I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Like, I don't know what's happening. They, I just get a script and I do it. Um, anyways, uh, do you think last question before we move on? Do we, do you think we ever see this movie? I mean, never say never because I feel like, you know, if new mutants and the empty man were released and a lot of people were starting to speculate that those films would never see the light of day. And the new mutants, I think is an interesting sort of comparison because that was coming at the time where X-Men dark Phoenix had failed the, the merger had happened. So, you know, there was talks about MCU mutants and things like that. So, and the new mutants was supposed to be the start of the next sort of phase of the, you know, non MCU series, but because of the original kind of OG franchise failing Brian Singer being a problematic fucking monster and just sort of everything kind of being up in the air, but it still got released. We still saw it in theaters during the pandemic. Yeah. So I don't want to say that it's not going to ever, but, but at the same time, similar situation too, because didn't they want to do reshoots and they didn't want to pay for them and stuff too, right? Well, they did do some reshoots, but they, yeah, they wanted more because apparently after it was released, they saw potential in doing an R rated horror film because that's what yeah. new mutants was trying to do is kind of their you know their doctor strange movie where it was skewering more into the supernatural horror sort of side of things but yeah it's it's just one of those situations where like it probably won't be anytime soon and it's going to be really and- confused like the whole dceu thing do you think is they're just- backtracking on the michael keaton thing now too like do you think yeah, like remember I, I do because i he don't was supposed think to be he's- Nick fury yeah. right and i, I think i don't think I think if the Flash does get released, because even that seems up in the air, I think the Flash, Shazam, I don't think Shazam's coming out in December. I have no idea what the fuck is going to happen now with Black <laughs> Adam, which is like, that was the whole other thing. But as the well, hierarchy because, of the DC universe is about to change, which we've just seen. Right. It was David Zaslaz. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> The Rock was talking about that at Comic-Con. But like, even though, even that was interesting because The Rock, who is a very business-minded guy as yeah. well. Um, he's a comp- he's a company man for but sure. But he but he was talking about how th- that this movie was going to change the hierarchy as you made the joke, which is very funny. <laughs> David Zaslav is Black Adam, <laughs> um, but you you look at that and it's like okay, well these movies Shazam and 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 I don't think Wonder Woman three is happening now. Um, <laughs> we're all going to still have the connective tissue to the Snyderverse and a previous regime that greenlit all these things and even the suicide squad and peacemaker it's just like we're probably not getting the viola D- davis series now the the no. waller thing so it's like um i think you get those movies and then it just finishes this era and then they go on and reboot everything those will be the new mutant films where it's yeah. like we'll just release those they'll probably they'll do better than new mutants like i, I still think if black will... adam doesn't have a connection to anything then maybe they can t- i don't know but it's supposed to right like, yeah like, unless uh... they re-edit it before i mean they even said that they just finished the film so i mean who knows now where it's like do they delay it and then do reshoots i mean the the, the flash stuff is still like completely up in the air and what they're doing you know talking about michael keaton being the nick fury of the dceu moving forward bringing ben affleck back again who's probably just like guys i want to just leave me alone just i just got married again just can you just i just want to chill with j-lo <laughs> like i don't it's like, so funny. but he always but, comes back they're just like hey we got 
we'll put a Dunkin' Donuts on set. And then he goes, I'm in. I'm, we'll I'm we'll name a Dunkin' there. Donuts after <laughs> you in Boston. And it's just like yeah. done. But I, I think what will be really fascinating in maybe 10, 20 years from now is reading the behind the scenes of this. Yeah. Because I find this way more interesting and extremely convoluted than my interest in the DCEU movies mm-hmm. in general, because or I feel the Snyder like cut stuff or anything. Like yeah, that. And, yeah. And just like with the rushing to compete with the MCU, with getting the justice league movie out before really kind of establishing the majority of the characters. It's just, it's been a very fascinating kind of ride, I guess, you know, with, with the, DCEU. Isn't J.J. Abrams supposed to make a Superman movie too? Like a there, yeah, there was supposed or, to be an African American um, yeah. Superman as well. There was supposed to there was something there was something else that they were. I doing. wouldn't be surprised if J.J. is that guy they try to lure to be the DC dude, but like the Kevin Feige of that. But but then again, it's know. like oh well, like do you do you start from the beginning again? And if you do the beginning again, like what are are you going to do? Well, especially with you, know, like you said, Matt Reeves, and they just announced like weird timing on the Joker, you know, uh, come see, come saw movie or whatever. Like it's just um, like <laughs> bibliotech, um, like weird timing. Be like canceled Batgirl, but guys, you know what you want? Joker two, white it's male like, rage. Yeah, guys. it's just like it's gonna be a musical. It's like oh okay, um, all right. But it, that weird they'll timing. release that though because again, like it. It's not. It was successful and was cheaper. (laughs) Yes, and cheaper. So, like, that's the type of movie they want. They're like, "Oh, okay, that only costs less than a hundred million dollars, and will make us a billion. Yeah, go do that." And even Matt Reeves, the Batman, which are going to be giant budgets, more of like a a sure thing, I guess, right? But But even now, that could. I mean, like, what's going on with like the Colin Farrell Penguin show? No chance that HBO Max. Yeah, or that was Arkham Arkham series. Yeah. Yeah, not a chance. And Not Batman is one of like Warner Brothers' most lucrative, you know, franchises and characters. It's like like you always make money on Batman to the point where like you know the the CW and 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 anything that's trying to use a live action version for television yeah. has been told not to as a mandate. You know, and they like, had a Batman in this movie, and they still like. And one that a lot of people, I think, in our age group and and older and, you know, people that are in their late 30s, early 40s, were excited to see Keaton come back. So now it almost feels like The Flash is another movie where it will could like it could literally disappear, you know, like and and again, I think I I don't know how you get around that. I think you need to like literally reshoot that entire movie or rewrite that film. Yeah, because. I don't know how you do it either. Stuff is just like it's awful. Everything you read is like gets worse and worse. (laughs) It's like every like like he's got a cult. He's got a cult now, and he's like luring children. He's grooming people. It's it's awful. Like we're laughing, but it's horrible. Like he's being arrested in Hawaii multiple times. It's It's just like you read it. It's like oh, it can't get any worse. And it's like nope. It does. I'm gonna be like he murdered someone next week or something like that. And I just I don't know how you you get around that and or and if you go that doesn't hurt our brand but Batgirl does anyways I will I do think we see that movie um eventually I think we'll be talking um, about this a lot more because it yeah. still feels like we're very much in the dark when it comes to 
what is going on and what will be canceled and what will go forward. And and I still think that a lot of that is going to be revealed in the coming days. And I think you mentioned, I mean, you tweeted it to me, like the timing of the Joker 2 announcement is very strategic in that it's almost like, you know, don't look over here at this, you know, dumpster fire. Look at this. We've got this coming. You know, But I also feel like the reception, I know we're in our bubble where our, our bubble is a little bit more critical of Joker than I think what the regular public views of Joker, but like, uh, and I, I'd like the movie. I think it, I just don't like Todd Phillips that much, but like, who's definitely and, like hanging out with, uh, David. Zaslav. Uh, Zaslav. Yeah. Yeah. Just fucking snorting cocaine off of some, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to get sued. So I'll stop. Um, I just, it, it's, it's wild, but I do think that we see Batgirl eventually, but I think we, it will be a long time. And I think, It'll be one of those things where like the DC is in a completely different spot and then it's like, well, this doesn't hurt us anymore, but I don't know how that works with the tax thing, right? Like if you yeah. already took the tax right off, like how does that work, right? Like I don't, maybe they really have to like be like, nope, this can never see the light of day because of that. Yeah. And um, oh, Green Lantern was supposed to have a, a TV series. Yeah. Um, Black Canary with Journey Smollett was supposed to have a spinoff with a, None of that there was rumors that yeah. Austin Butler was going to play Green Arrow. Um, there was something else as well. Oh, we're never, Margot Robbie's just probably like, eh. I'm done now playing. Yeah, Harley she had a good Quinn. run. Yeah, but, Birds but of Prey, it like... kind of like it really shit on her so yeah. much as well because it's like she wanted to continue the character and the storylines and like you know the the first Suicide Squad movie is terrible. You know, Birds of Prey and James Gunn Suicide Squad kind of helped out a little bit, and she after all of that still wanted to play the character, still loves the character, and now it's like, well, are they going to do a Suicide Squad? the threequel like is it like are are they i don't know man like it's uh who the fuck knows but we've we've i thought dc was actually weirdly in a better spot because they were just starting to go eh, just do whatever the fuck you want who cares <laughs> like yeah. um and i actually appreciated that but now when they're going now they're reverting back to being like let's just do what disney did like let's just do that again it's just like oh isn't that what you guys tried and failed at doing and now you're gonna try that again like, why not just focus on making good movies? And and I guess that is the plan. But, um, and then I, maybe again. But where do you restart? That, like, that's the know. weird thing. Like, do you literally like, you know, cut all your losses after? Do you release the Flash, Shazam, and Aquaman and say that's it? And, and don't continue with you know Wonder out. Woman three and all that stuff. And then, but like, people expect this shared universe stuff now, right? Because Marvel set a precedent for it where if you don't do it then they feel like you're missing out on something if these characters don't interact or team up or there's easter eggs and 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 all this shit where i feel like that's actually hurting a lot of this stuff because like not everyone is marvel and people made good points of like marvel was in a very different spot when they started all that stuff and like they didn't have their top tier characters and like there was no pressure to make those movies all connect and make a bazillion dollars and stuff like that when they were at paramount and marvel started like marvel almost went bankrupt guys remember that well they did and like i mean yeah like i mean in the in the in the 80s and early 90s they were selling off their characters to make you know the albert pune captain america movie that was never actually released theatrically 
in the U.S. It was released in places like Italy and and, and now has a Blu-ray release that you can go watch it. Or the Dolph Lundgren version of The Punisher, which has this weird history where they sold the rights of the character name, but the skull logo, they didn't. So Dolph (laughs) Lundgren's character... Uh, Frank Castle doesn't have the skull logo. So it's a giraffe t-shirt. But that was at a time when comic books, I mean, like Batman 89 kind of brought it all back or kind of had that resurgence. But before that, Superman 4 nearly killed it. And then in the 90s, you had, you know, Dick Tracy and Spawn and stuff like that. But then once you got to Batman and Robin, it nearly killed it again. And then the movies that kind of brought it back were, you know, a lot of people reference Spider-Man and X-Men, but Blade is the other one that, you know, was made for next to nothing and did really, really well. Again, but all of those, their own thing, right? But then the, the success of the MCU, and I love it. I just don't think everything needs to be that, right? Like, except and I the guess, ninety day fiance <laughs> universe. Universe. Yeah. I want to know what the fuck shirt. that even You're... means. What does that mean? I don't do you, know. Do you like, want to know what that means? I not really, really know? but like, I'm like, they have that many shows. I guess like that in 90 day fiance. What is even the concept? Like, are you date someone for 90 days and then you're their fiance or like or are you the fiance for the 90 days is like a test run and see if like you want to get married by the end of the 90 days days. and then like i literally have no idea what this show is about (laughs) i I don't either and i don't care and i hate that i know as much as i do because of this yeah. Like this is probably even worse than the Batgirl stuff. Like, like this is truly like okay. Why? I, how do I know about this? When yeah, it's a reality show, but it's not really a shared universe. It's just life, you know. Right. And like that's it. It's just yeah. It, we'll be talking about this probably. And we for... we spent almost an hour doing it, so we'll. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more, but for um, months, years to come. So I, I don't doubt it. Uh, where do you want to move on to next? Do you want to do Tiff Talk? Should I talk about Harry Potter? Should we talk about uh, the rehearsal? Should we talk about Dragon Ball? Should we talk about what else did we watch? What are you feeling, man? What are you feeling? RRR? Like, yeah. fuck. Like, I watched RRR. Let's talk about that. We got so much to talk about, guys. This episode's either going to be really long or we'll have to save some for another episode. But, um, Eric, my life has been changed. You brought up RRR a few weeks ago. I think it was only one or two weeks ago now, or a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I when I got back from my trip, right? Yes. You watched it like right after, or I um, I watched it when you were away. I think yeah. maybe, and uh, um, yeah, it was incredible. It lives was, up to the the uh, the hype. I was putting it off, and because the three hour runtime, as I do, um, but it was a nice Friday night last Friday. Nevis and I were, you know, finished work. Not sure what we were going to do this weekend. And I was like, Nevis, I have an idea. Did I pay for three months of subscription to a streaming service called Z5 so I could watch <laughs> RRR in Telugu? Yep. Right? Is that how, Telugu? Yep. Um, in 4K, Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision. Um, I did. So that cost me $30 and it was well worth it. Because we put on the original language version because I kind of wanted to watch that. There's the Hindi version, which is on Netflix, which is dubbed by the actors in the film. Um, But it is dubbed. Um, I wanted to watch the original version, which a lot of it is dubbed because of the musical numbers and different things like that, too. But um, or just, you know, ADR or the musical track is put in. Um, Eric, you didn't hype it enough. 
because it is so fucking good, dude. Yep. Nevis and I, Nevis and I were flabbergasted, flabbergasted, and I heard good things, but I was not prepared for what I was about to watch. Like I, I saw a little, like I never watched a full trailer, but I saw some of the silly stuff of like you know some guy you know tackling a tiger or whatever a lion. Um, and but like, it's all out of context, uh, right? Yes, and I'm like, oh, okay, this movie's gonna be you know like over the top, but like very I didn't stylized. Know, I didn't know what it was about or anything yeah um i get into this movie and you get the you know the prologue and then the two intro chapters and by the time that rrr title hits i am all in dude i was like this is incredible already like the intro to both of those characters is fucking wild and it just just doesn't let go And it's just like when they lock arms and then it turns into the logo and then you have the music and I'm like, this is the greatest movie ever made. And I've just seen the title, like the title of it. And that's like 40 minutes into the movie too. love that. The title card 40 minutes in. Um, But like it was way more intense than I thought. It was way funnier than I thought. It was way more exciting than I thought. It was way more creative than I thought. The musical numbers are unbelievable. Uh, The action is so much fucking fun. Um, The the bromance between those two guys is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, And just like the – I said the action sequences are some of the most creative and wild things I have ever witnessed. The double-decker man. Like oh, I just the so double good. decker man is incredible. Uh the intro to um is it Ram's character? Yeah, yeah. Um, um when he's working for the British Empire and yeah, like, and he's he like has one to go versus get that everybody. <laughs> that is the dude, that is when that moment because that opening is still pretty intense when they steal yeah. the girl and everything. And like I was like, oh from fuck, Beams like, from Beams um, Village, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, when yes, exactly. From Beams Village. And I'm like, oh fuck, like Nevis had to close her eyes and she's like, is this gonna be like really violent and gross? And I'm like, I don't think so, but like I don't know what we're getting into. But it is one of those movies that balances tone so well and is absurd, but then very intense and heartwarming and one of the best friendship movies I've ever seen. But then like also is like a uh, you know, it's historical fiction, of course, but like because well, the two characters are are real, yeah, um, political figures within um, India. But yes, they they never met, and it's kind of like the whole film is like, what if you know? Yes, and and just how that goes down and their journey and just that you like you know where it's going for the mo- you you don't but you do like the main plot you kind of know where it's going but like you'll never guess what happens in between or and, how it's done and, the and execution done. is incredible it's so creative yeah the direction in this movie like again you know awards are, awards are silly but i feel like you know this film probably should win best picture and directing and all that and 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 it kind of goes to show you like even though this is one of the the highest budgeted um hollywood movies ever made it still is so low budget compared to yeah like i i I mean i'm being a little bit provocative here and i I even mentioned this when i talked about it before but it blows marvel out of the water in terms of how it uses its vfx and how it stages action sequences and plays with character and dialogue and just camaraderie but also it's never afraid to kind of take it to 11, but do it in a way that's also just extremely inventive and exhilarating. And you kind of feel the length of it, but then also it 
just flies by and it's it kind does, of yeah. it's I that watch max, two more hours three more it's hours. that maximalist kind of entertainment yeah. that we got which is why i love everything everything every, as well. yeah and it's like one of those movies where like you are watching like i'm sure you know the experience of watching it at home where you did matt i know you care about you know sound and and the screen it sounded picture. amazing dude in dolby atmos but but it's, it's one of those things when you're watching it you're just kind of like man i wish i saw, I saw this at the cinesphere yeah. holy fuck they gotta do it dude it, it they played imax i will fight them i will i will go like we got you'll critic- take a flaming motorcycle to the face to those guys we got a critic's choice email today that was like want to host screenings in your town or like a critic's choice screening thing and i was going to message you i'm like we might not be the right people for this i know peter no. already did it but i was like i want to do that at cinesphere and even if that takes me just using our connections to get that to play there but it's got to they're going to program it eventually like yeah. they, it, they will and ss yeah, rajamuli has made is, yeah. one of the definitive action movies ever it reminded me of the first time i, I talked about this recently seeing john woo's hard-boiled you know and yeah. like just completely being not only immersed in the story but just i didn't think i would ever be surprised again by by an action scene there's a lot of great action in movies there's mm. you know mad max fury road i know you're not the biggest fan but like there's moments in that it's film very that are amazing top gun and, maverick yeah. more recently but watch and i will stuff. defend the marvel movies a little bit i agree with you that these are this is leaps and bounds more entertaining and, and better and more creative than marvel does take the safe route but like you'll there's even fun things in that but this just is on another it's on its, its own stratosphere yeah and 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 ram sharon is a fucking movie star that mustache yeah. as soon as you <laughs> see him the first time it's like i've never i'd never seen him in anything before but it was just like Nevis fell like, in love this, with them right away. This guy is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, like this guy's an Adonis. And yeah. you're just watching it and you're just like like the film is so clever with how it uses VFX. And it never looks real, but there are no, moments it, I, where it's a great you point. literally your your jaw drops. There's a moment when this animal kingdom is literally unleashed upon the British. <laughs> oh my God. And, it's so good. And there's one moment where I said, Holy fuck. And it involves oh, I... the impaling of a British soldier's arm. Oh yeah. yeah. On a deer. And you're yeah. just like, Nevis was really grossed out by that. Um, it's a, I was too. And I didn't think yeah. I could be by CGI. Like, it's and just, that's it's the incredible. thing. Like it, it, the CG in the movie is, is, you know, you can tell that they don't have a, you know, a, $200 million budget. But then again, Marvel at times, you can't tell that they have a $200 budget when it comes to their special effects. Um, not shitting on the VFX people, shitting on the timelines and all that kind of stuff. Um, but to your point with comparing it to Marvel and stuff like that, I thought of the same thing. And this is coming from someone I absolutely love 90% of the MCU. And the special effects don't really bother me in those movies that much either. But it showed me that you know, in Marvel, it does stick out like a sore thumb sometimes. In this, it didn't because of the creativity and how it's used and the story put behind it and the characters and the charisma people put out that like it it shows you that special effects aren't the be all end all. You don't need a photo real lion or a photo real deer or anything like that. It's just the creativity you use that will make you forget about it not looking great when it comes to the CG. And then that's how computer-generated 
fucking imagery should be. It's not like this has to look real or it's going to take me out of the movie. No, if the movie's good, it doesn't matter as long as it doesn't look like dog shit. It's just like if it looks good enough and how you use it, then that's what you do. This movie was made for $75 million, which is or which 72- It's crazy. Million. It's crazy because it it's, looks like it was made for more because, because they shot on location and they still used a lot of CG, but like and again, real extras. And- yeah, that's what I mean. There's these elaborate sequences with hundreds of people and things like that. And that's the shit you just like it's old school kind of, you know, filmmaking. It's because they don't have all the like trinkets and, and, and things like they do have access to, uh, you know, obviously amazing sets and production design and all this kind of stuff, but they just don't rely on green screen and cg like uh, at least in this movie th- that they do in like a marvel movie or some other big budget movie you would get here um and i was just completely floored by it and it's just like when you think an action sequence is amazing then they break out into one of the best fucking dance and song sequences you've ever seen in your life and it just completely works and it's just like you don't question it at all you believe this world or you believe this kind of blending of genre action musical comedy drama like it, it's melodrama that, at times yeah. it even reminds you of like it's it is comical in the bromance like oh totally there, there's there's this there's a that whole in, song about them being friends and they're running around like skipping together and like doing other things like it's amazing <laughs> let me tell you about my best and if friend. you read the lyrics because they're they're translated very directly it's just it, it adds kind of to that but but i even thought of point break where like there's oh, this yeah. reveal of like when they find out who these character who they are to it each is other very point break yeah and it kind of has like you're waiting for like one of them to become Johnny Utah and like shoot yeah. up in the air and be like no yeah, or kinda... or like the friendship after that amazing dance number where it's like a you know a best friend is there for you but a true friend will let you piggyback off of him yeah it's great dude and like so I don't want to like spend too much time on it because I I feel like I don't want to give away we we haven't really given away anything because this is a movie that you could describe to people and like I tried to describe it to my parents. It's already been memefied, like, I think, so yeah. much that you probably have come across it in some capacity by this point if you yeah. have any kind of social media presence or online. But out of context, of it just you yeah. won't really. It's not the same. Like you gotta experience this thing if you if somewhere is playing it in a theater near you, go do that. Um, if not, it is on Netflix in Hindi. It is on this Z th- Z five streaming service that I found. So Z E E E five, um, and you can subscribe there. They do make you give uh, three months of subscription because they probably just like you have to prepay for three months. Uh, but that's basically like buying two tickets to. It's worth it. Anyways, it was thirty bucks. Yeah. It was like it was thirty dollars, and Nevis and I, I watch, and she'll maybe watch some other stuff on there. But I, um, it is absolutely. I would have paid a hundred dollars for this movie. Like it is that good, and like I hope it gets like a four K release or something. Or like, yeah, I don't even know um, if there's any plans for any kind of of physical criterion. Media. Get on no, it. <laughs> they should. I mean, it is it is worthy of that. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's one of those movies again. Like it kind of it's word of mouth because the first yeah. time I heard about it was back in April um, when the, the hosts of the important uh, cinema uh, club podcast, uh, Will Sloan and Justin clue talked about it, that it was playing in one theater in Etobicoke. And then in the U S it started to kind of cross over and started making money. And then like, it was number four in the box office in the North American box office. So it's like, okay, 
there's something going on here with this film. And then you watch it and you're kind of like, I get oh, it. I get I it. Totally yeah. get it. If you're not in by, you know, the second sequence in the movie, then I don't, you're, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, I don't get away from, oh, it's, I have to read subtitles or anything like that. Like, just grow up, you baby. And watch this fucking movie. I'm going to tell my parents to watch it. They watched everything everywhere all at once the other night. And my dad was like, interesting movie. <laughs> like, Where my mom was like, I really liked it. My dad's like, weird, very weird. And I was like, I'm just glad you guys watched it. That's all that matters to me. Like, I'm glad you gave it a shot. So this is the next one where they, if they're asking me what to watch, I'm like, please, for the love of God, just watch RRR. They can watch the Hindi version. Like, I don't need to be like, find this random streaming service and go do that. It's like, no, just watch that. If that's the only way you can just watch it any way you can. And I know Netflix is working on, I cannot wait for them to put out an English dub of this movie. Cause then they plan to, because I just can't, I can't fathom what that will be like. <laughs> like, I wonder if they'll get, you know, uh, Ram Sharan and, 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 and the two leads to do, uh, it was his name, NT Rama Rao Jr. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they both speak fluent English. Um, they do speak English throughout the movie, but at times, but, and I'm sure they do, but um, it would be interesting if they dubbed their own stuff in English, but. Um, and I love the cartoonish I, villainy of the white British oh people. God, it is they're, hilarious. They're hilarious. They're all like just mustache twirling, like over the top. Like Ray Stevenson, who played the Punisher like, and who's on Rome and HBO is yeah. sort of the main baddie. And then Alison Duty, who is in, uh, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, like it's just, yes, it's amazing yeah, yeah. how over the top They're they are. So over the top, Ray Stevenson. Okay, yeah, of course that I didn't even like Punisher Warzone, man. I know, and like I um, I I was like, why I didn't even clue in while I'm watching that that was Ray Stevenson, but that's incredible. Um, yeah, what what a film. Go see it in IMAX if you can. I want it to play the Cinesphere so bad, man. So bad. I would have watched it was one of those movies that I haven't stopped thinking about it since I watched it. And I almost thought about watching it again the next night. Like yeah. that's how and Same. it's through and it's three hours long. And I'm like, I could watch that shit again. Like it's one of those movies where if someone hasn't heard of it or hasn't watched it and they're over at your place. You know, like, do you have three hours? Because I'll put it on right now. Yeah. We'll watch it together. Or if you live near a like, movie theater yeah, or like that's it's playing like, it's, 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 playing, it's, like, it's playing in 30 minutes. Let's get over there. <laughs> yeah. Like that's absolutely what this movie is. And um, we'll see where the, it ends up at the end of the year. But right now it's fucking flip flopping in my head with this movie right here, which we can transition to that news, I guess quickly yeah because the daniels have become corporate boys (laughs) (laughs) they're not at warner brothers though no uh so moving on from rrr yeah the other uh big news uh coming out of you know this week or there's a bunch of stuff but the Daniels. this is more positive on the sort of corporate side of things i guess yeah uh the daniels signed a five-year uh pact with universal um for a first look deal uh with their production partner as well i believe um so uh good for them man i'm just glad they're getting bank like you know they they earned it after a couple really really great movies and especially after everything everywhere all at once uh which again with rrr in that movie like i think i said on our review like if we get a movie that is better than everything everywhere all at once this year we're in a incredible like i don't even 
couldn't even believe that happening. And I think RRR is that at that point where they're like neck and neck for me, but like it, it's an unbelievable year. But anyways, Daniel's at Universal. What do you feel about this? Like I, I think Universal's been making some good moves. You know, they have Jordan Peele. They picked well, up that's Nolan the same deal, like, right? Like yeah. it's it's a first look deal that I think is supposed to be like five years. It's yeah. kind of similar to what Peele set up with um, Nope and Us after uh, Get Out, and and so it, it seems like Universal at this moment is becoming the new Warner Brothers, where Warner the new Brothers filmmaker Pearl friendly like was a filmmaker friendly studio and universal kind of was known for the fast films mostly. And now they're kind of coming back with, okay, let's bring in the, you know, the Nolans, the Peels, the Paul Thomas Anderson's, the popular tour guys. So, you know, the, the Daniels kind of being christened in that way. Um, Isn't Anderson going back at focus too? Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a whole interesting thing to talk about with the whole Bill Murray stuff. On, yeah. on that side of things but with with the daniels like it kind of shows you that it's like you know there's there's an interest in taking a risk on guys that aren't going to make conventional movies because if you've seen swiss army man or everything everywhere all yeah. at once you know that like, they're not they're, making fast and furious they're, no yeah yeah <laughs> you know david Zal, uh zazalov is like <laughs> so we say his name differently every time <laughs> pissing himself watching yeah. those movies like well, i would never let anybody make those films um and so with that like it's just fascinating to see like okay look what they did with essentially two shoestring budgets like what can they do with more time and a yeah. little bit more money and if if they even need that you know like if it, they get jordan peele money like close to 100 mil to make we're hiring right? Hoyt van Hoytema to shoot her i do imax i i could see it happening those are the things that you know something like this gets you right yeah. like i i really like i love a24 obviously and like they do too they even thank them i think um uh daniel kwan even thanked them in his little write-up when he came back on social where obviously he they owe a lot to them doing the first two movies with them but um you know i i you got to be happy for them like you you, you know a24 does give you freedom and, and lets you make weird movies and shit like that but like yeah universal they'll get you know a ton of money probably and a ton of money to make movies too. So um, I don't know what, like what was Nope's budget? I'm, I'm curious. I think Nope so was like, like in the sixties or fifties. 68 like million. Yeah. So yeah. So that's a um, lot, but it's not like, it's like, that's still like weirdly in this day and age, a sliver of what a superhero budget would be. And for a horror film, it's, unheard of because usually yeah. genre movies specifically horror films cheap, are yeah. are made for you know the blumhouse kind of uh dollars the the but the they made everything everywhere 20 for 25 million. so yeah. you got to think three times that budget now maybe maybe if they get a jordan peele note budget which is i think what universal would probably give them right like yeah. 75 million 60 60 to 70 million kind of area and i'm just like can't wait to see what the hell that would be (laughs) yeah they're not going to get the russo brothers gray man budget even though i'm sure the russo brothers will probably be like we need to we need to ride on your coattails for as long as possible now because again like i think a lot of people are going to be talking about everything everywhere all at once once more once the awards season begins and i feel like that's also going to add even more anticipation for whatever they do next like it's going to be one of those things where it's like you know, obviously there's a lot of people that were interested in them with those first two films, but now it's like, okay, whatever they do, like they're going to 
make something like it's just even even with someone like robert eggers like you look at like yeah. him starting at a24 you know it, the witch being picked up by that company and then him making the lighthouse you know in studio for them and then you know whether or not you like the northman that's that's to be debated but you look at what he did with a bigger budget and more sort of you know cast and locations and things like that and so it's like okay well at least we'll get something that is truly unique you yeah. know hopefully and that from, was 70 to guys. 90 million so and that yeah. was at focus but still universal right internationally and stuff like that so yeah that seems to be like what they'll probably get for their next movie which is um which is very very exciting and good for them they are you know top of shot to the top of my like anything they do is my most anticipated thing like um, I cannot wait to see what they do. I doubt they jump into franchise territory. I made no. a joke about Jurassic Park, and they even Daniel Kwan made a joke about Fast and Furious in his tweet, <laughs> where he's like, "Is it too fast and too furious, or whatever?" And I'm like, I can only imagine what their Fast and Furious movie would be like. But well, they um, Vin would never allow it. No, no, no. <laughs> if they reboot the franchise and they're like, "You guys can do whatever you want," multi- Universal multiverse movie. Um, I hope they don't get stuck into like multiverse stuff either. Like no, I, hope I hope they, they just do let their, them like their own their, whatever thing. they want. Right. Um, very, very cool. Uh, where do you want to go next? There was some other um, stuff this week too. I'm, I'm blanking now, but um, I well, know we got, we got some TIFF, TIFF announcements talk. and yeah, then, we can you know, that. we've been watching the see. rehearsal. Yeah. Let's talk about the rehearsal a little bit. Cause you caught up with the newest oh, yeah. episode. Um, which was a two-parter, but now it just looks like the series is going to be like an ongoing, um, kind of thing. Uh, how did you feel about the second episode? Are you still all in or what? I am completely in. I am also hating myself. It's like this weird, self-loathing, awkward, uncomfortable, very funny show. Yeah. Um, with some very strange kind of like memorable reference points in terms of how the show is edited like i loved the sequence where um one of the subjects characters i don't know what how you want to or what you want to call them but angela who her kind of rehearsals that she kind of wants to experience what it would be like to be a mother and so you have this kind of um hereditary-esque dollhouse <laughs> kind of created in the middle of nowhere uh, to kind of do a rehearsal and sort of the idea or the pitch is that, you know, she's looking for a co-parent to kind of help her along the way. So she goes out on a series of, of Tinder dates. And one of the best edits is this one guy who she asks, like, you know, what are what are the things that, that scare you? And it's like, well, first of all, eels. And then it cuts. And the way that, that, that it's, it's so perfect. And it's what I appreciate the most about this show is I thought I had it pretty much figured out by the end of the first episode of what the format would be, but it keeps evolving. And part of it does feel like it is giving into Nathan Fielder's own psychosis where it's almost like this like Trojan horse kind of show where it's almost like you think the show is going to be about me helping other other people, people but it's actually me working on myself. (laughs) This is my own version of therapy that costs, you know, uh, the, not even the, the, yeah or just kind of poking fun at himself too yeah right? and, and those anxieties and different things i thought about like, you with with the uh, one of the characters or one of the people that um on the the last episode who you know was watching dragon ball z with his oh yeah uh, alien yeah. grandfather who yeah. also says some really anti-semitic things at oh one my point. god yeah and 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 again like you, you can tell and that- even those moments he comes over and you know that nathan's trying to be like 
well, he's Jewish too. And it's yeah, like, I know. Kind of That's like, why I, it's just how he handles those conversations. I'm always like fascinated and he gets them to say exactly what he wants them to. Right. Yeah. And like, or his love the, of the Punisher. Yeah, of course. Um, another great episode. And I'm totally with you that the series keeps morphing into something darker and weirder and, and, but still unpredictable, like unpredictable, like just like RRR, where it's just like, I I can't tell you where I think this show is going because I have no idea. Um, but it's consistently really funny, really awkward at times. So cringy. Um, yeah the most cringe at times but like and i still go back and forth of going like man is this all like is this him setting this all up to like and i guess i go back to it doesn't really matter um and i sometimes you go the people are too unbelievable to be actors sometimes where you're like no this is a real person because like it's just the but way then the actors person... playing real people yeah. like the grandfather in that yeah. one scene is yeah. incredible and, and weird but it's also weirdly moving i don't know again like how much of it is real or not but there is a moment in that third episode with kind of the the main subject um having a moment of catharsis in yeah. a way that is very moving that I oh was yeah, kind yeah. Of like oh wow this is like this re- like even though you know we we've judged this character on some questionable things he has said and that's why you don't be right and you don't feel bad that they're manipulating him in a way of like because i was talking about this with nevis of going like you know part of the bit is the meta layers of things of like okay they bring this guy into do the rehearsal we're going to give him a situation now that is exactly the same as the rehearsal he's practicing but he's supposed to think that it's real life and then nevis goes well wouldn't he realize that it's the same thing and i go well it's it's the meta layer of the joke of you're kind of poking fun at the guy because he's not realizing that the same situation is being presented to him and he buys into it and believes it like that's we as the audience know what's happening so we laugh that he doesn't realize and we feel okay about that because of certain things like the anti-semitic things that he's saying and like other things like that but then you do feel bad for the people at times and then he has a heartfelt moment and that's what i said about that first episode where the show does this weird balancing act where and you know there's all the conversation right now on twitter and shit like that of like if what nathan fielder's doing is okay and stuff like that that's always going to be the question of of the ethics and and i think that's a fair question to, to have that conversation like it's not yeah it's not out of the spectrum of 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 discussion where it's like okay like if you're gonna bring that up i think that is worth talking about but at the same time it's like okay for for what you're watching and what it is if if you're kind of morbidly curious by it or or enthralled by it or both or 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 repelled by because i I know there probably are a lot of people that even hate watching it like yeah it's just one of those things where it's just i think it is just such a fascinating sort of layering of a completely divisive individual who's kind of found his like i don't think nathan fielder could really work as like a movie comedian type like you know like when somebody like when a comedian kind of like breaks out and mm-hmm. and has stars a in a judd apatow movie or something i don't think that that can work for him i think that you know like we've seen him pop up in in small roles and like you know the night before and things like that but i think something like this or nathan for you and it, it works and it kind of gets across what he's best at, which is kind of 
being a master manipulator, but also kind of digging through his own problems in a way. And I think all of that is well yeah. worth having a conversation about at least. I think like, again, like I, I don't disagree with the ethical quandaries that this thing raises because there are times where it's like, okay, like, you know, are you leading this person on? Are you manipulating them in a way to get them to say these things? Or are they just saying it themselves? And because again, this is an edited show, even though it is quote unquote real life, you know, you have to wonder how much of it is manufactured or or some mm-hmm. of it is kind of, you know, played up for the camera. Cause you know, in real time, things play out much differently. So with that in mind, you have to kind of look at it for what it is or what the presentation is. And so, watching it i just think it's a very bizarre but clever conceit overall and i think that the smartest thing about the show is that it's not basically one sort of thing it's continually evolving um you know it's it's, it almost seems like he's doing it on the fly as well like he's almost like going okay well this happened he left so okay i need to pivot now what can i do okay insert myself into here okay uh, this guy leaves and just stops answering my calls. What do I do to like pivot there? And it, it is interesting how it morphs into something completely different. I, I, I cannot wait. Uh, but that's even it. important as well, because I think that you need to show when the rehearsal, the re- it's not going to be the same episode every time. Like the rehearsal is going to have different results for different people. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. Like if you have the same results, the every Cane's time, chicken or whatever that they build to raising like, Cane's raising chicken. Cane's oh chicken. my God. It's, and it's I'm like, incredible. it's that kind of stuff where I'm like, man, they would have had to get raising Cane's permission to like show their logo and build like a, a thing. And I'm like, I just, I want to know the process and it's stuff like that. And like when he's talking uh, to the woman who's, who he's co-parenting with Angela, and, right? Yeah. Angela. And like, at times it seems like she's laughing like or trying to hold in laughter when she's saying something to him. And I'm like, okay, but she does know that she's in a rehearsal. So that kind of does make sense if she is real, but it's just these layers of like what is real and what's not, you start to get confused. And I think that's part of the illusion of the whole thing is like, you don't know what part is the rehearsal and what is real life and stuff like that. So it's just like, I, I mean, does it have all. a, is it, is it a piece of, is it a vegetable or a fruit with a sticker yeah. on it or is it <laughs> yeah. not? Is yeah. it like, yeah, that's is exactly it a funnel cake. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, and then that, it makes me question it. And it's just like, it's, it's so great. Uh, no, it's not great. Harry Potter and the cursed child. Oh boy. Um, I, you know, I probably a hot take. I don't know. I think people quite enjoy this show. But I went with my mother and father and wonderful wife uh, to go see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which has gotten great reviews. You know, it's the, the sequel to the Harry Potter books, not movies, I think. Um, and, you know, we, we've been waiting to see it for a long time. My my parents are big, you know, wizarding worldies. Is that what you call them? <laughs> they're they're butterbeer fanatics and you know take jk rowling out of this she sucks she's awful let's get that out of the way she's horrible fuck her um i was still like the harry potter movies enough i didn't watch them up until the last movie and i binged them before the last movie came out i hadn't seen a single one before then you do Um, that with a lot of fantasy stuff game of thrones because i'm not a big fantasy guy right so 
they're these big cultural phenomenons and I feel left out because I haven't watched them. So by the end I go, I need to be part of the conversation for the end of these things. So like, I'm going to go watch Lord of the Rings at Cinesphere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go see them way after you should. Anyways, excited to see the play live theater. You know, I like musicals. Um, I, I do think that those are super enjoyable to see live. This not a musical, just people talking. Um, we go to see this play. Uh, it's usually split up into two parts. So when it originally came out, there would be part one, part two. You could either see them like an afternoon and an evening show and have a break in between, or you could go see them on two separate nights and it would be two parts, uh, which was, I think each part being like two hours and 45 minutes. So it ended up being like almost five and a half hours or something total. Um, the version we saw was three and a half hours with an intermission. Um, so everything in one night. So they do cut out a lot of stuff. Um, so it's truncated then. It is a truncated version of it. And you can tell at times, but I also don't know if I wanted more. Um, so I said this to people where it felt both rushed and overlong, which is a very hard thing to do, where it's just like, oh, it felt like a lot was cut from this and you rushed through certain things. But also I felt like I was here for a fucking eternity and that it would never end. Um and I just felt like um, it didn't lend itself well to like a, a live theater vibe because theater acting is very different than film acting. And maybe that's just, you know, I'm a film guy. So like theater acting for me, I'm watching Harry Potter. I think it should feel like the movies, right? Not like a theater show. So when I go to it and it's a little overacted because they have to kind of perform outward and you you're know, projecting to you're an projecting yeah. your, you know, the style of acting is different. You need to be big and flamboyant and, and over the top because you're kind of presenting to this whole theater. And that was its first thing where I'm like, Oh, I should have known it was going to be like this, but I'm not really vibing with how these kids are acting or, you know, the impersonations from Sims characters that are from the books and certain things like that. And then on top of that, um, it's really like dialogue driven and it relies really heavily on some magical special effects that they use, which are quite impressive. Like the stage design and the magic tricks that they do throughout the show um, for a live theater show um, were like, oh shit, that was really cool how they pulled that off, that illusion or, or, or whatever they were doing. But then as a negative on that, that made it feel like a universal studio show. So my brain throughout this whole thing, I went from being bored to, Oh, this is kind of, you know, it's a sequel to Harry Potter. I still am like, it's like, if people don't know, it's about Harry's son and he becomes friends with Malfoy's son. And it's about them at their years of Hogwarts and them using, you know, a time Turner to kind of mess around with stuff and things like that. That doesn't give too much away. Um, so the the idea is kind of interesting. Like it's, you know, your classic legacy sequel kind of thing, right? Um, so I'm intrigued by that. But then as it's going, I'm like, oh man, this really just feels like a Universal Studios show that you would go see at the theme park. That is like stretched. Waterworld. Like that is stretched out. Yeah. That's or the Indiana Jones show that was at Disney and stuff like that. And here, I'll get to that. I, I I both mean this sort of as like a criticism and an insult, but also like not because I like those shows when I'm at a theme park. <laughs> like, right. I, and they I, know what they are. Right? They know what they are and they're 
short. They're 30 minutes at most. They're like an hour long. I think there's like an hour long Lion King show that you can see at Disney or whatever. Um, but at most they're an hour and they're usually so you can escape the, you know, Floridian humidity and get into some air conditioning and you watch a show for an hour, right? Where I'm paying $130 for cheap seats, right? Like I'm up in the balcony. Like if you want good seats, they're hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And maybe that would have helped seeing the actors right in front of you and the, and the fire and the magic right in front of you. But, um, I spend $130. I, you know, I, don't necessarily just want to see a universal studios show. Like I don't mind that being an extra thing. That's when I'm at universal studios, but like when I go and make a night out of it and go with my parents, like I expected something of higher quality. And I don't know if my expectations weren't, were too high or anything. Like I don't even know what my expectations were, but like the special effects are great. Set designs. Great. I think the story was kind of lacking when you get into it. You're just like, wait, what do they want to do? And you're like, that's kind of it. And you're like, oh, who's the villain? Okay, that's the villain. Oh, you're going to go back in time. And that's cool. You revisit moments from the book or the movie or whatever. And like, I think it could make for a cool movie when they do it in 12 years or 10 years. If Warner Brothers wants to do that, who knows what Zazlaz <laughs> wants to do. Um, I After these Fantastic Beast movies, who knows? Um, but you got no I, problem with problematic people though. So let's cancel let's those movies. Get rid of them. That would be the one silver lining with that. But but it's interesting because we always talk about that as well, where it's like they the 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 Fantastic Beast films were placeholders to Cursed Child, and there being kind of an expectation of like, okay, well, if those movies aren't that good well at least this might be a we'll little get bit more cursed in- child as long as we can convince everyone to come back which- but now if you don't like the stage version which again stage versus film is is a different translation and i'm in the minority here i think most people yeah. who see this play i think really enjoy it but i have heard a couple people message me and go the two night version is better and the single night version kind of butchers it and then I go, did I, did I really want to go see it? Like I, th- me and my dad after the show, my dad loves Harry Potter. Like he's a, he loves the, the wizarding world. Like he Planet of the Apes and Harry is, Potter. It's so weird. Mike Rohrbeck is he, an enigma wrapped he, in a riddle. He really loves Harry Potter. And, um, he was even disappointed because he was like, man, it was just really slow. And like the story wasn't super interesting. And like, uh, we both said like, would it make for a good movie? And, and we think it, it, it probably would, right? Like if you had the actors come back 22 years later, that's how far it is. So like, they're really just killing time until they can do that. Harry, we gotta go back. <laughs> um, and I think it could, you'd have to tweak it a bit there. Like I, I'd be worried about the digital de-aging you'd have to do or the a, a CG character here and there, or you'd have to recast some people who, have or Daniel passed, Radcliffe as weird. Um, you'd have to, some people who have passed away, like you'd have to kind of recast yeah. those roles and stuff like that, or, or do a gross digital version of them, but like, or reuse footage from the other movies, which could work. But, um, you know, there's a cool idea there. It's just the execution was just really it's really dry and it it really was like i'm like i don't know maybe in a movie this is like little you cut you trim a lot of the fat you kind of move to the action sequences you kind of balance it a little bit better than just seeing people act on stage like you were just waiting for the next magic trick to happen or the next special effect and like the guy who played harry um i kept leaning over to nevis and i was like 
every he yells a lot in the movie because he's like a dad now. So <laughs> dads um, yell. <laughs> um, but every time he yelled, Eric, he sounds like Will Ferrell when Will Ferrell yells, <laughs> and that's all I could get out of it. Like that was all in my head. Like every time he yelled, it sounded like Will Ferrell yelling, and I kept laughing. Like I kept laughing, and I'm like, I shouldn't have this response. It's like Emilio. Um, and then I was just bored for a lot of it, and then like you know when certain characters like some people nail their impersonations of them and they're like oh okay they're just doing the movie version of that character and they're doing a pretty good impersonation and then a couple other people are not and then you kind of like i talked nevis had a good point of just being like you kind of have to do one or the other you either have to be like you know this is not the movie version it's not even the book version it's its own thing like hermione is black in this play right and like but then you have people like Moaning Myrtle or uh, Professor uh, Professor um, McGonagall who like sound like the exactly like they do in the movies, right? And like then Shirley you have, Henderson and, and Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, and um, you you um, you not Brendan Gleeson. Um, uh, he, he was uh, Mad Mad. Mardigan, oh, Mad Mardigan. Mardigan, yeah. The, was it Mad Mardigan? Or Professor that- McGonagall, ten points for Gryffindor, like that. What's her name? Um, you know, uh, Emma Thompson. Emma, no, not not Emma Thompson. Professor. It's been so long. Uh, McGonagall. Actually, Maggie, Maggie Smith? Smith. Yeah, Maggie, Maggie Smith. Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I was thinking you. of like, yeah. Um, I blank. I knew it was you know it's an old British lady. Um, How dare so, you? Maggie I, Smith I love Maggie is a treasure. Smith. I love Maggie Smith, and she's great as McGonagall. But anyways, then you have people. I don't know. If this is a spoiler, but other characters that I won't say that don't sound like the people from the movies. There's right. like two big characters, both villain. One sort of a villain. One we already mentioned villain. moaning Myrtle. Uh, well, yeah, um, still very horny. Um, and then. I those didn't sound like them, and one was very flamboyant and over the top, which the character is in the movie, but the actor who does them, I think, does a good job with it. Where in here, it's just like, ooh, this this is very much a play. Um, so, anyways, I really didn't enjoy it. I was quite bored throughout, and then you go, ooh, magic, and then like there are a couple, <laughs> there are a couple moments where you're like, oh shit, that was like really well done. Like there was a. A moment where characters, you know, how they get sucked into the telephone booth to like go into yeah. like, so they do that on stage. And it's just the way that they transition the person where you don't realize they leave the stage to like the little robot thing that goes up to the thing. And then the cloak gets sucked into the thing is really cool. The first time you see it, or when someone has to drink that thing that makes them transform into someone else, like, you know how they're pulling off these illusions, but the way that they do them is actually quite fun. There's and then, some ingenuity like, to it. And then when like the Dementors are flying, like they fly through the audience and shit. And there's like a really like cool moment at the end of the first act there. And like, so there are really, there is some interesting stuff. And I think like, if you're a hardcore whizzy, is that wi- wizarding? <laughs> um, um, you might like it, but my dad didn't like it. My mom who loves everything, God bless her, uh, liked it. And then Nevis was mixed. So, you know, we had a crew that was kind of on all the spectrums there, but like it, um, well, inconsistency, I think does play a role when like, if, if the actors aren't on the same page and especially when it is theater and, you know, you can have great sets and, you know, sharp production design overall, but you know, you have to kind of be on that same page. Right. And, um, 
yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I wonder as well, the way that you're, you're saying that, you know, it's, it's a, originally it's about a five hour play. I wonder if they do adapt this into a movie, if they try to expand it into like a series of films instead of just doing a, a one and done for fantastic beasts. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, why I not? Or they, the Hobbit even, right? Like, I think they would. Uh, cause one of my, uh, biggest problems like right away with it is that they skip over years one through three of these kids. Like, and they do kind of like a, you know how a play would do where they have to like, do it all in one sequence. So they keep moving things around and then the kids run away and they come back and they're older, but it was like all done so quickly where maybe in the longer version, they spend a little bit more time there. Um, I could see them building up to what the finale of this movie is over, you know, like they did with Harry Potter, where it's maybe over four movies or three movies, probably a trilogy. Like I would see like, um, I don't know how many years do you go to Hogwarts for from your 10 until your 18 Are you eight years. And that's why they did that many movies. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I guess, yeah, you could do the one year. Like you could, here's the thing. It depends on how long they sign those actors to come back. Do the, does the original cast want to come back for eight more movies? Like, I don't think so, but Except maybe because they're, Grinch. Oh yeah. He's, he's all in. Um, I think I mean, he's on, he's on like, servant. So I think, yeah, he's doing I think okay. they'd all like, I think they'd all be down, especially cause they wouldn't be the stars of the movie. Right. Like they, I mean, they would be, they'd be the face of it. They're coming back much like, but it would be like the older star Wars, you know, cast coming. Are they going to say right? Jurassic world dominion? Um, no, I'm not referencing that movie ever again. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Um, but with Top Gun, Leg- uh, Top Gun legacy, Top Gun Maverick doing so well, I think that legacy sequel thing is going to be even more appealing yeah. for, I mean, like Reese Witherspoon was even talking about it for legally blonde yeah. three. So it kind of shows you that like, I think it's kind of giving actors that maybe have had some, you know, franchise fatigue in the things that have made them either popular or they've had to do multiple times if they've taken a break. And then it's like, okay, maybe down the line, I can come back to this and do something that's, you know, on par with the first one again, that was more creative or at least kind of felt new and fresh because I I understand when like, you know, a, a job, a steady job is a steady job. And if you're doing well, but also like, Sometimes when you're doing, you know, five Marvel movies and you're missing out on doing the small, weird, creative thing in between, it can, as an actor, I think it can kind of, you know, make you a little bit, um, what's that word I'm looking for? It can, you can kind of just become complacent in a way. And, and, and so, you know, with, with Radcliffe going out and, and, and doing, you know, the Swiss army mans and, and, and that kind of stuff, like, I think it helps, but also like these actors in particular, they're, they've been typecast, you know, like it's, I don't, I don't think Emma Watson and Radcliffe and Rupert Grant have really kind of break, yeah, broke the mold now, of, yeah. you know, and, and that happens, that happens with a lot of actors where it's like the, stuck the, to a franchise and that's what you're known for. Yeah. Then. It defines who they are. And then when they're in other things, people can't see them as those characters and it becomes weirdly like stunt casting or something like that. Like obviously Emma Watson kind of tried with, you know, beauty and the beast and and that kind of stuff and it didn't work, but it, yeah, it's just, it kind of all goes back to like, you know, certain actors, like you think of someone like Stallone, like every time you see Stallone in it, you either think 
Stallone's Rocky, Rocky or, Rambo. or Rambo or like yeah. even like someone like Sarah Michelle Gellar and Buffy. It's like she kind of had a bit of a go in the late 90s, but everybody always saw her as that character. It's hard to break that mold. And then going back to it is kind of almost like you feel defeated by, you know, the thing that defined you basically. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Radcliffe's a good segue. I think, did we miss anything else? Well, uh, I was going to say ones? maybe you know, Chris Angel could play uh, Harry I brought, Potter. I brought up Chris Angel to Nevis on the way home. <laughs> I, uh, um, I was like, you know what? If I want to see magic, I'll just pay to see Chris Angel, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, anyways. And uh, it'll be shorter, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to Tiff Talk 2022, baby. Um, so to end the show, we like to do this segment called Tiff Talk. Sometimes we do individual episodes like we did with the galas and special presentations, which you guys can go check out. It's a separate episode. It's not a numbered episode, but it is right here on this channel, whether it's on YouTube or on podcast services. So you guys can check that out. We broke down all of the films or we're like, we went through them and kind of broke down the gala and special presentations categories and talked about what we were excited for and Eric's uh, his his top of his list kind of thing and things like that. But uh, yesterday and uh, was it just yesterday? No, Tuesday and Wednesday we got tip announcements, didn't we? Yes, Did we? we got platform, and then we got oh, yes. the yeah. next day we got discovery, midnight madness, and wavelengths. So, um, tons Matt's of favorite uh, car- uh, category wavelengths. <laughs> I'll stop. I I know I shit on wavelengths a couple weeks ago, but I was just uh, I was just joking. Um, so lots to go over here, Eric. So do you want to start with platform, like go in order or do you, yeah, what, yeah, do you let's, do? let's do it as, as the way that Tiff intended, uh, by chronological release. All right. Uh, you, do you have it in front of you? The platform? No, I don't. Stuff? Okay. Cause I was going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> We're never prepared. But, um, I, know. I was going to go to I the bathroom it. too. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Do you want to well pause this? <laughs> no. Do you want to go now while I read them and sure. talk about it? And then I'm going to uh, go to the wizarding world and, <laughs> and I'll me. go when you get back. Okay. All, All right. right. So, um, this week, major announcements from, uh, Tiff for this year. So on uh Tuesday morning, uh, we got, or it was it Wednesday and it was today, the midnight madness. I don't know what day it is. Everyone. It's very hard. Like I said, I'm on the last couple of weeks of my contract on family feud. Do you have a job for me? Uh, I would love that. Uh, if you need someone hit me up, I can do anything. I'm a Swiss army knife. Uh, but platform, uh, Tiff announced their whole platform lineup. If you're not familiar with platform, it's kind of their in competition section where they have a jury that goes through and picks a winner. Um, of the program that gets uh, $20,000 Canadian uh, for the best uh, film in the program. Uh, so the films in platform this year are Charcoal by Carolina uh, Markowitz. Uh, Platform's opening night film is Emily by Francis O'Connor. Uh, we have The Gravity by Cedric Ido. We have Hawa, and Eric's not here to correct me, so if I butcher these names, uh, I apologize. Hawa by Maimuna uh, de Courier. Uh, we have How to Blow Up a Pipeline by Daniel Goldhaber. Uh, we have Rice Boy Sleeps by Anthony Shim. Uh, we have Subtraction by Manny Haghigi. Uh, we have Thunder by Car- Carmen Jacquier. We have Tora's Husband by Rima Das. And we have Viking by Stephanie Lafleur. Uh, so an eclectic uh, mix of films here. The platform is platform section is always kind of super interesting. I'm not like a super familiar with a lot of the films uh, on this list, but Eric, I just went over 
Eric's back, everyone. Hello. hello. Um, I just went over all the films in the uh, – oh, we went from Mountain Dew. Nice, nice, nice. I've yes. had two beers, which is why I've had to go to the bathroom. Uh, anything off the top of your head from the platform lineup that stuck out to you? Because I was just saying like most of it is unknown to me. I haven't really gone into detail, so we don't have great commentary for this probably. But I was saying the platform section, always really interesting. Like I feel like – well, that's where some of the, I mean, ironically that we're covering the discoveries, but partly, you know, this platform is also this, this platform, uh, this program, the platform, uh, is also a place for discovery because it, over the last few years, when I say a few years in like 2015 to now, We've gotten films like Moonlight and Jackie and uh, Lady Macbeth, all of which were in the same year, and introduce you know actors like uh, Florence Pugh to a much uh, wider audience, and that was kind of you know the, the the ground floor kind of movie. And then you have films that have played like uh, Beast with Jesse Buckley, again another you know actor who now you know is going through the the Hollywood system and kind of becoming a bigger name. So you know it's it's always a kind of an interesting place to find uh, new talents, whether they be on screen or behind the camera. It's always great to see what could be the next great filmmaker and obviously this is the one sort of section that has a jury as well so um sound of metal uh is another movie uh that was uh, a platform uh release and look how well that did with riz ahmed and, and directed by darius martyr so there are films and filmmakers that go on to greater success, but their films in that grouping uh, do quite well uh, also. Yeah, I think Sound of Metal probably would be one of the biggest ones that has played in, in that section so far. Yep, I mean, totally. it was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, so. It is one of the movies that they list here. And at 13,000 Feet, yep. Rocks, Jackie, Custody, Death, Death of Stalin, Moonlight, yep. Lady Macbeth, uh, High Rise, um so always an interesting category but i haven't done enough research again sorry everyone i i'm kind of going through this for the first time on the podcast because uh i'm just busy and that's well, what I believe, we do i believe there's the emily bronte yeah biopic yeah. with emma mckay which i'm sure is probably going to be one of the bigger ones in that group just because of emma mckay kind of being a rising star um, and I think Bleecker Street picked that up in the U.S., so it already has American distribution. A lot of these movies usually don't have distribution or have a smaller um, studio behind it. Like Moonlight did have A24 at that point. Um, but something like Jackie got picked up by Searchlight after it played yeah. uh, uh, the fest. Although that, that would have been picked up no matter what. But it does, totally, again... Yeah. And this is... I mentioned this. I'm sure you heard this as you were taking your whiz. Um, this is a, uh, a jury... Uh, yeah, I mentioned that section. Too. Yeah. yeah, so sorry uh, for repeating what Matt said. I, no, I, no, no, it's okay. I, it is the only program to have that. I said it's kind of like they're in competition, kind of. Um, it's like their can thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to Discovery. Um, if you're not familiar with the Discovery program, a lot of you know first and second features from um, uh, different filmmakers. So a lot of these might be unknowns, might star some people you know, but or maybe not. But uh, I'll go through these. I already said. If I butcher them, I apologize. Um, we, you know, Eric and I just like to be with you guys. We're learning just as you're learning. I'm learning what films are playing as you're learning. 
I kind of have an idea because I looked briefly this morning. I don't even know what day or time it is because I earlier, Eric, when you were going to the bathroom, I'm like, was this announced today or yesterday? And I was like, I think it was today. <laughs> I'm like, you almost uh, look high as you're saying this. Dude, the way uh, that you're kind of. I, I mean, I think you're just like maybe you'd look tired or maybe you're. Well, I'm tired, doing that but, on purpose, but oh, like okay. I'm definitely also tired. So. Yeah. Um, all right, we got Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. That sounds dope. By Aich Alberto, also a dope name. Uh, we got Baby Ruby by Bess Wool. Carmen by Benjamin Millipede. So that um, is Natalie Portman's husband, the uh, choreo- dance choreographer on Black Swan. Oh, okay. That's his feature de- uh, directorial debut. And cool. I think Sony Pictures Classics has it in the u.s okay cool uh we have daughter of rage by laura bowmeister we have a bowmeister <laughs> uh we got a gaza weekend by basil 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 cahill um we have i like movies by chandler levac um, so that is uh she is a uh former film critic yep. used to write for the globe and mail um i think as like a freelancer she also uh, used to work at TIFF as well. Yeah. Um, we know we both know Chandler. I'm excited to see her movie. Um, that's awesome. Like she's done some shorts. I think one of her shorts played TIFF a couple years ago as well. So she made a and feature. And it takes place in the early um, 2000s. There's a trailer yeah. out for it. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like, oh man, I remember that. Being yeah. yeah. Kid. I'm, I'm, exci- I'm excited to watch it. It's great. Um, the opening night film for Discovery is The Inspection by Elegance Bratton. Which is an A24 um, movie, and I believe Gabriel Union uh, has a, a co-starring role in that movie. Cool. Um, a Long Break by David uh, Pertskalava. I apologize. That's a cool name, but I... Pertskalava. Cool. We have Pussy by Joseph Amit- Amenta. We have Return to Soul by Davy Chow. Which played at um, can. And was picked up by Sony Pictures Classics. Cool. Um, SPC loves these. Um, Rosie. SPC, the discovery <laughs> section. Um, Rosie by Gail Maurice. We have Runner by Marion Mateus. Uh, we have Shimoni by Angela Wanjiku Waimai. Uh, we have Snow and the Bear by Selkin Ergen. We have Something You Said Last Night by Luis De. Uh, Philippines. So Elevation uh, has that. That's a Canadian uh, directorial debut. Cool. Feature length. Susie Searches by Sophie Kargman. Sweet As by Jub Clerk. The Taste of Apples is Red by Ihab Tarabai. Um, we have This Place by VT Nayani. We have Unruly by Malu Raymond. Until Branches Bend by Sophie Jarvis. When Morning Comes by Kelly Fife Marshall and The Young Arsonist by Sheila Pye. So that's Discovery. Um, so thank you for the context for those. Those would be the only ones that I was sort of familiar with. Any more that? Did, oh, so for Platform, did you read? Um, I did read them all. What uh, the, the one title I wanted to also mention um, uh, is it How to Blow Up a, a, a Pipeline? Yep. By so, Daniel Goldhaber. So that is the director of Cam, which is available on Netflix, which is a really solid little horror movie about uh, a cam girl who 
discovers that she has kind of like a doppelganger. And this will also segue nicely into Midnight Madness because I know Peter Kaplowski has programmed that one and has been very adamant. And so when Peter talks about movies outside of Midnight Madness, it's always good to kind of listen up, especially if you're a genre or a Vanguard movie. Yes. Probably more. Um, Love that. Uh, Discovery, always love checking out movies in that program as well because again a lot of these don't know much about them you just kind of go by you know whether someone has it picked up or who's in it or just a little description so i'm excited to kind of dive deeper into these and again we'll be here for hours if we did that so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna quite do that on this show but um but if we review some of these films we definitely will dive closer to the festival when we do our tiff preview show which will be right before the festival um, we'll probably have some of these movies that we'll talk about of uh, our picks of what we want to watch and cover and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then Midnight Madness, a program that Eric and I uh, both really love. Like I think one of the the most fun times you can have at at the movies, not just a festival, is going to a midnight show at, at Midnight Madness. And it's like um, after eating your 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 vegetables, you get a nice little treat at the you end. You get of a the Mountain day. Dew. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure Peter loves us comparing it to Mountain Dew. Um, Midnight Mount Madness Mountain Dew. <laughs> Mountain Dew presents Midnight Madness. <laughs> that Hell sounds yeah. great. That sounds great. We should pitch um, that to him. Peter, uh, you know, friend of the show, we interviewed him a couple years ago. And we just know Peter through, you know, the Toronto film community and stuff like that. But um, Eric always brings up that he has really eclectic taste and always has like really interesting programming and uh, since he's taken over uh, Midnight Madness every year it's always very very interesting whether it's stuff that I expected might be there or something I've never heard of or you know same that I've been saying with some of these other programs but here yeah, are it's the- a nice cross section yeah. right like it, it kind of feels like okay Midnight Madness you expect certain things you expect you know horror gory B movies that will kind of play well to an audience that will kind of interact with it. You know, you'll get some Eastern influence films, whether they be, you know, Kung Fu or Hong Kong cinema, but now like what I love, and those are still there, but like what I love as well is that, that Peter is peppering in sort of, again, some kind of titles that kind of would feel more like Vanguard movies or or films that are kind of a little bit out of left field. And Midnight Madness doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, one definitive genre. It can be the films that are a little bit sort of yeah. out of out of sync or out of center with what you'd with expect. With everything else, yeah, yeah, too, yeah. So we have The Blackening by Tim Story. We have the closing night film, which is uh, uh, Leonore Will Never Die. Uh, we have Pearl by Ty West, the X prequel. Um, we have The People's Joker by Vera Drew. We have Project Wolf Hunting by Kim Hong Soon. Uh, we have Sick by John Hyams. We have Sisu by Jalmari uh, Hellander. Uh, we have Venus by Jean Balguero. Balaguero. We have VHS 99 by Flying Lotus, Johannes Roberts. Maggie Lennon. Old tourist, yeah. Johannes Roberts. Yeah, um, who just did Resident Evil, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome um, to Raccoon City. Uh, Maggie Levin, Tyler McIntyre, uh, and Vanessa and Joseph Winter. And then we have the opening night film, which is Weird, the Al Yankovic story. 
uh, Danny Radcliffe. That's the good transition there from Cursed Child. But a Roku um, production. Yeah, Roku original. So I guess yeah. we get to see it in a theater, which is nice because that wouldn't have been the case otherwise. Um, right. I don't even Although I, I mean, maybe they're planning some sort of. I mean, I don't know in Canada, but maybe they are planning so. some sort of limited. I, Apple sometimes does. So I was just, was yeah, maybe I don't know what the fuck Roku does, but, like, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, like you said, an eclectic mix here, you have kind of the, you know, not a huge name horror movie, but Pearl being a prequel to X, which came out earlier this year. Um, like, I think that's kind of your, you know, more one for you kind of thing. Like here's these, you know, a 24 studio, Horror the commercial movie. play commercial that kind of has yeah. a fan base partly because of Ty West yeah. and also partly because you have another film in the series that, you know, two movies that are coming out this year, one already been released, this yeah. one, um, you know, playing the fall festival circuit because it is also playing Venice. Um, for Canadians listening to this, I would recommend maybe if you're interested in this but are kind of hesitant because of the september release date it does not have canadian distribution as of yet it probably will hasn't a24 uh, self like haven't they released things themselves in canada sometimes too? they have sometimes so with i mean this is a whole other can of worms yeah we don't inside have to baseball thing, but over. but but in terms of like like elevation vvs um mongrel media have all handled their stuff before um the the rare occasion sony you'll pictures. get sony <laughs> pictures because they had uh the uh the end of the tour and more recently bodies 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 so it's always kind of like a, a crapshoot there. So I, it's at literally this moment, whoever wants to pick it up, right? Like yeah, pay yeah. For it. Unless a studio in Canada already has it at the script level, then it's then automatically. It's theirs. Then, yeah. Yeah. So if you're hesitant to see Pearl because it doesn't because it opens in September during the festival and you're from Canada, still maybe go see it because it might not come out until October or yeah. I mean who knows, but. I, it probably will, but still see it if you want it. Yep, totally. Um, uh, the People's Joker uh, seemed interesting. It's, they're calling it a legal superhero movie, um, which I think is really funny, just using that to kind of pitch it. I've never seen any of the VHS movies, so oh God. I know they're anthologies. and, and They're hit kinda, or miss. They're hit I remember miss. the ABCs of Death is, is what I'm thinking about, and I fucking hated those I, movies. Yeah, those were and bad. I, I, I watched them. the last VHS as well. There was one I like the 99 time period, so I'm kind of yeah. intrigued by that. But Yeah, because the, the 94 one, which yeah. was last year, that was How was that? Because I'm also interested in that timeline, It was – it, it, there's one good segment, which is this investigative reporter who's following a story about an underground cult that are taking homeless people and okay. sacrificing them to a rat god named Rotman. Okay. Um, and that's probably that. the most fun. Um, but yeah, it's all – I mean, we've talked about this before. Anthology is always kind of a mixed bag where like yeah. you know, some are better than others and you're never going to kind of get like that kind of same consistency of high quality throughout. So maybe there will be some fun ones on there. I'm, I'm curious about the Johannes Roberts uh, segment, especially yeah. with a guy that is kind of like very playful with his soundtrack. So I'm absolutely into that, right? So like just because the last ones weren't your thing, like 
again, new anthology, new filmmakers could be something completely different. Yeah. So I, I definitely all, might as well watch it. The 99 thing is really the thing that's kind of getting me. Right. Cause I'm like, Ooh, yeah. okay. Like that's a fun time period for us. So, well, also um, it's the year that Blair Witch came out. So yeah. I wonder if there will be being Some a reference, found footage yeah. movie. Yeah. I could see that. Um, I'm interested in sick. The John Hyams movie. It's, um, written by Kevin Williamson. You guys would know him for writing Scream and a lot of other things, but in the horror. How dare you? He directed Teaching Mrs. Tingle. (laughs) Uh, And then John Hyams, who directed Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning, and and much more. But I'm curious about that. I'm I'm definitely intrigued. Um, What else do we got here? I'll see Pearl. I liked X enough to be interested in pearl like i don't know i don't think i needed pearl but um and weird the al yankovic story i think that's the only one out of these like i love a few other ones that were announced the on on no they all sound good but um... no 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 i mean like there was wasn't there a movie that uh i thought like either peter posted it on his instagram or on twitter there was like a film from the director of um rare exports that was playing with it has like a a finnish soldier who is taking on nazis yeah sisu sisu yeah yeah, yeah i mentioned I that, in, in that. The, yeah that, no i'm not saying these are the only things I'm, I'm that sounds cool too i liked rare exports and big game um yeah it's uh, uh he returns to tiff with a gory world war ii action epic that pits one hard to kill finn against nazi soldiers in finnish lapland Finn uh, Yeah, I thought that's what they meant. Um, Yeah, I'm obviously, that sounds awesome too. Like, I I just was saying, like, the only thing that will make me get out of or go to midnight, I think, might be weird. The Al Yankovic story. Like, I feel like. And also, if you don't have an early morning screening. (laughs) That's also true. Um, Like, I just, I'm getting to that point where we see so much during the day and we get up early and see those early. I'm like, I love midnight. And if someone says this movie's awesome, you want to go see it at midnight. Like I do regret those times where I didn't go see something at midnight and I saw it at another time, but there are times where I regretted going. Cause I'm like, I'm so tired. Um, or like I'll fall asleep in the midnight movie and then still be tired the next more morning for my 8am or whatever. So, um, all of these sound good. Like midnight madness. I'm always down to watch any of it. Like it's always on my short list. Cause I, I do trust Peter and it, yeah, sometimes it's hit or miss if it vibes with you or not. Um, but like everything we mentioned here, uh, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by, um, the blackening even sounds cool. Like it, it's based on a three peak comedy sketch, um, about like uh, horror genre film tropes and, and like the basic, thing in the movie is if the entire cast of a horror movie is black who dies first and i think like that's really it's i have haven't seen that sketch but i'm like do i just wait now and just go see the movie but um or i might have seen it because it um when it was being passed around online but um project wolf hunting um seems like a classic midnight madness pick you know oh wait uh, didn't tim's story also direct the fantastic four movies hmm huh I don't know. I got to look this up right now. Like the the ones for 20th Century Fox? Yeah. Or like obviously they were. You mean like the early ones? The um, early ones. Yeah. Like the, He did. Michael- he directed Fantastic Four yeah. and Barbershop and Taxi. 
I was like, that um, name sounds so familiar. Yeah, he did both of them. Yeah, you're right, Eric. Yeah, he did uh, Barbershop, Taxi, both Fantastic Four movies, um, Hurricane Season, Think Like a Man, Ride Along, uh, Think Like a Man 2, Ride Along 2. <laughs> Uh, he did the 2019 Shaft movie. Oh, that's awful. Um, and he did uh, Tom and Jerry, which came out a couple God, of years ago, awful. too. <laughs> um, so I'll still see um, it, though. I like the concept. Yeah, I do, too. Like, so I, I'm definitely And Peter down. did compare it to um, The Cabin in the Woods. So it was like, which mm-hmm. I'm all for, right? Yeah. Um, and if you haven't seen the um, – there's a really great documentary that Peter also kind of mentioned when doing the trivia or the, uh, the, the kind of questions that were coming up with. Oh, the hints. Like, yeah, yeah. The hints. Um, Black Noir on uh, yeah, Shudder, which Shutter. is a great, really great look at African-Americans uh, and, and black culture within the horror genre. It's, uh, it's really well done. Yeah. And it covers everything for like, I mean, it's dated now because it, it, but it went up to all the way to um, get out. So love that. Yeah. Okay. And we're out of time. So we can't talk about wavelengths. Um, Wait, we have a time limit. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're, we're really deep, but I was playing into the joke, uh, playing into the bit. Uh, okay. And then they announced the wavelengths program. Uh, so we have concrete Valley by Antoine Bourges. Um, or I don't know. Anyways, Alex Reno, just shaking uh, his head. Alex, if you're listening, I know you are. I'm sorry, dude. I don't know. Do you want me to like, I can't prep that much. Like I can't like, what do you want from me, dude? Like Alex, we're we're already two hours and 15 minutes into this and I'm tired. Um, (laughs) We recorded a prey review, which you guys should go check out. Uh, I thought it was really good. Anyways, the humany corporis fabrica by Verena Paravel Lucian Castang Taylor. Uh, we have dry ground. Oh, is burning. that the the anatomy inside the human anatomy um, documentary? It might be. Google it while I keep going. What's it? The humany corporis fabrica. Uh, dry ground burning by Joanna Pimita and Adderley Keros. Uh, horse opera, dope, dope name. Uh, Moira Davy, uh, pacification by Albert Sira. Uh, Queens of the King Dynasty, um, Ashley McKenzie, Unrest by Cyril Shoblin, uh, Will of the Wisp by Zhao Pedro Rodriguez. And then the I'm- shorts. I'm kind of curious about this movie. Okay, so it cool. played at Cannes. Yeah. Uh, it says focuses on five hospitals in Northern Paris neighborhoods. Uh, it reveals that human flesh is an extraordinary landscape that exists only through the gaze of uh, and, and attention of others. So like they use like microscopic cameras and go through the body and stuff like that. But it's, it's also very experimental. So like there's no narrative, but it just sounded uh, right. kind of interesting. It's like an episode of magic school bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, okay. We're gonna get to see what a rectal exam looks like today, boys and girls. Um, all right, kids. Come on down to wavelengths. Uh, all right, shorts after work. I'm not going. Sorry, film with the frizz. No got, way. Uh, shorts. We have after work. Bigger on the inside. Um, eventide 
or eventide. Yeah. Uh, fighting looks different to me now. Fighting has a one and they also use the letter two. Um, or not letter two, number two. Letter number two as a letter. Um, like fast and furious, fat, too fast, too furious. Fata Morgana, uh, horse titter. Um, I thought the world of you, Moonrise, the newest olds, Puerta a Puerta, the time that separates us, and what rules the invisible. And that's your shorts for wavelengths. So, Eric, you were excited for the um, Magic School Bus movie. Yes, uh, that's what it's called. <laughs> Corporis Fabrica. Imagine. <laughs> the most abstract adaptation of the Magic School Bus. <laughs> yeah, that's just what I thought of. I'm sure the filmmakers like, are like, yeah, that's what we wanted. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. These yeah. two idiots to joke about this yeah. thing. Uh, I, you know, I can't say that I see many uh, films from the Wavelengths program during TIFF usually. There is the odd time where if someone says like, Oh, this is really interesting. And I, again, whenever I watch one, I either vibe with it or hate it. And I think that's like, there's no middle ground. You never go like, that was okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was too middle brow for me. Like, I think with wavelengths movies, you're either like that, what the fuck was that? Or you go, that was awesome. Um, Like, I don't really think you're ever like, I don't know, maybe catch it at Cineplex on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's on Um, par with the gray man. Yeah. Netflix might just throw it up there on a you know f- Friday morning. Um, so I don't know. I don't really have any. You know that sounds gross. The Magic School Bus movie, but like um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds maybe cool. I don't know. But horse opera that sounds cool. I don't know what that is, but um, but if it has those two things in it, it's automatic five stars. And that concludes Tiff Talk. 2022 i'm excited man we're getting close what programs like, do we what, need 34 now days? masters that's it D- that's um ma- uh world uh, oh, uh contemporary, contemporary world, world cinema. cinema yeah which always kind of has some bangers too so are we um, going to the uh canadian press conference yeah, uh, yeah from what i i'm like pretty sure but so okay. we'll, we'll probably have a report back on that oh so the canadian program as well right duh uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're <God>. idiots <laughs> it's a canadian film festival i'm really tired i'm gonna wrap it up everyone uh thank you all for listening you're welcome um, alex um i hope i didn't butcher it too much but um a fun episode a lot of batgirl warner talk a little rrr go see rrr um or watch it wherever daniel's going to universal the rehearsal go- yeah, the, the fourth R in the RRR <laughs> rehearsal. <laughs> it's rise, uh, rebel, roar, and rehearsal. Um, I think it was revolt. Revolt. Rise, revolt. Yeah. 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 Thank the you. Rehearsal. <laughs> the rehearsal. The <laughs> rehearsal. Um, go check out our review for Prey, which should be up right now for you guys to uh, listen or watch on YouTube. Uh, One stop shop for everything. Uh, just head over to Letterbox, which is untitled underscore movies. Everything will be there for you guys. Uh, go check out my other work on Family Feud Canada, which is premiering in September. I'll plug it closer to its premiere, um, as well as on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchand. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. going to write this one off on my taxes imagine we just didn't put this out (laughs) 
two hours and 20 minutes of work. Yeah, I could see that. 